You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, it is January the 21st, the day after the inauguration. Um, it is Thursday. January 21, 2021, and after offering the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and Beyond Part 3, we now present the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and Beyond Part 4. This new podcast and recent podcasts include the charts for the Presidential Inauguration Horoscope from yesterday, January 20th, 2021, the Presidential Power Chart for when George Washington took the first oath of office as president on April 30th, 1789. The January 6, 2021 mob entering the U.S. Capitol building chart, the state of Georgia and the Georgia Senate runoffs election on January 5, 2021, the horoscope of the Jupiter-Saturn Union in Aquarius on the same day as the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere on December 21, 2020, the chart for Joe Biden being declared president-elect, which was back on November 7th of 2020, the horoscope for the U.S. election on November 3rd, the U.S. birth chart for July 4th, 1776, and also the new moon before America's birth back in June of 1776, and the USA secondary progress chart for January 20th, 2021. Also charts for Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Mike Pence, Kamala Harris, plus the total solar eclipse on December 14, 2020, the chart for the vernal equinox in the Northern Hemisphere that will be coming up on March 20th, 2021, and key charts of upcoming major planetary alignments happening the next few years. Overall, this is the 73rd podcast offered to the public since May of 2019. Now, there's a tremendous amount to cover um, because of everything that happened yesterday. Um, Also, uh, right now I'm looking at a chart for this moment here on the West Coast of the United States. So just so you know, again, this day after the inauguration, which did work out relatively smoothly the last 24 hours. Um, So if you go back, the last podcast that I did was just a couple of days ago on January 18th, as we were approaching the inauguration, and it's only been two weeks, a little over two weeks since the whole, whether we call it insurrection mob that was egged on by not just the President of the United States, Donald Trump, people like Rudy Giuliani, uh, Mo Brooks, these different people um, who all were feeling that the uh, election was stolen and including many uh, Republican House members, over a hundred plus, including the, the minority leader of the House, Kevin McCarthy, Um, just uh, this transition over the last two weeks, which included the new moon, a very powerful new moon event on January 13th, which we're still in that cycle of. By the way, the the next full moon is a real powerhouse. So here we are on January 21, um, two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago on January 6th. That was right after the Georgia runoff elections. And so we know that for several weeks um, it was planned that thousands of people of of disparate elements, mostly what we would call on the right wing side of uh, the political spectrum, 
uh, militia folks, people who for decades, I mean, we go all the way back, uh, un unfortunately, we have a short memory. Remember the the um, the Waco event of 19, 1993, right after Bill Clinton came into power uh, in January 20th of that year? In February of 1993, we had the first World Trade Center bombing before we ever had 911 in the basement of the World Trade Center. That was in February of 1993. Uh, about, I think it was six people died. Dozens and dozens were injured. We didn't know that um, seven plus years later um, that that would lead to the catastrophe of the World Trade Center. Well, that happened in the beginning of the Clinton administration just one month later. And also we had the whole events in Texas with the uh, Branch Davidians, David Koresh, that went on for many weeks and culminated on a very important day that we need to focus on this year. Because while yesterday, um, at least for the the more middle of the road supporters in the country, whether we, we, we don't have to say Democrats, they're just people who um, really deal with more of practicality and common sense and um, trying to balance everything out. Um, I thought actually that Joe Biden um, did a, a reasonably good job with what he had to say and the in, entire scenario of, um, well, we'll get to that in a moment. I, I don't want to lose my train of thought. I want to go back to um, the challenges of, of, of the past. When we talk about 1993 uh, with Waco, the, the key date when that conflagration, uh, the ATF, if you remember the Attorney General, Janet Reno, going in um, and, and ordering um, the different uh, elements of the federal government, uh, it became a, a terrible uh, kind of situation because over 70 um, people of that sect, including many children, um, that whole their whole place in Waco, Texas, was destroyed, and uh, FBI agents, ATF agents, had been shot, um, and it was just a, a a whole call to arms, unfortunately, that led two years later on April nineteenth to the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, so um, we have we have these events in the past, and of course, this has been going on for. The history of our country and way before the country was founded as we know slaves coming over in 1601 that's 400 years the the treatment of native americans um so this is a, a part of america that um, particularly on the right side of the political spectrum the believers in the kind of john wayne america right or wrong everything is is perfect in terms of um mostly white settlers who came from uh, disparate religious groups particularly from europe uh, we talk about the, Mayf the Mayflower, um, the Pilgrims coming in, Puritans, 1620, and the different waves of immigration, um, the explorers and so on. When we all have gone to school and we know that before we, we hit July 4th of 1776, America still has a big history way before that and way after that. And the contentiousness um, and the divisions are also particularly in that in that main birth chart for the United States, July 4th, 1776, for instance, and this is what we're gonna get into in a big way, Mars and Uranus in the United States birth chart from the Declaration of Independence. We didn't know about Uranus, it hadn't been discovered yet. That didn't happen until 1781, but um, the founding fathers, mothers, the, 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 the people who were part of um, the foundation of the country, they knew this, the, the main planets, Sun, Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. 
They didn't know about the asteroids that would be discovered from 1801 to 1807, the four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. They didn't know that in 1781 in March, Uranus would be discovered. And then later that year in October would lead to America turning everything around from the first several years of the Revolutionary War where America was about to go down to defeat. And then suddenly Uranus was discovered. Well, in America's birth chart, Mars and Uranus are in the same sign. They're not exactly the same degree, which we just had yesterday. And that's where we're going to go later on here. I'm going to go back to um, a magazine um, that Welcome to Planet Earth, as I've shared before. I was fortunate enough to make my dream come true of creating an astrological newspaper. And, and then it became a magazine, 1980s and 1990s, Welcome to Planet Earth. Many great astrologers who are in this part of my field, mundane and earth astrology, as well as being personal astrologers, contributed dozens of articles, a couple of dozen articles, usually every month, went on for, for 20 years. Well, back in the Scorpio edition of 1990, now that's a little over 30 years ago, um, and if you go to our website um, at Great Bear Enterprises, www.greatbearenterprises.com, wherever you listen to this, you've got to go to our website, to the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope section, because there is a particular folder, and I've said this before, but it's important to remind you all, the charts that I'm going to be sharing, many different charts. I'm going to be sharing about, the again, the new moon before birth for the United States in June of 1776. Uh, I'm going to be sharing the presidential power chart um, for when George Washington took the oath of office. I'm going to be sharing um, the discovery of Uranus chart for March 13, 1781. These are all important, particularly because of Joe Biden and very much so Kamala Harris is the first woman and woman of color to become vice president or president. And since she's vice president, she's next in line to be president. We've got a 78-year-old man with a great history in America who's trying to deal with things, particularly the COVID situation, um, all of the things that have gotten mucked up, in my personal opinion, the last four years. He's already put through some executive orders that I think are the responsible ones to rejoin the World Health Organization, to rejoin uh, the PAC, Paris Climate Accords, um, to uh, not go forward with building the wall, to create a pause there. I don't know. There were several uh, executive decisions that he was able to make. Now, the question is, what's going to be able to happen in a, in a Senate that's evenly divided, even though the Democrats, the Democrats now have the edge because uh, Kamala Harris, as vice president, can cast a tie-breaking vote. But it remains to be seen um, what kind of legislation gets passed, how easy that will be, whether um, the American people, not just the 1% or the, the business and the corporations of America, whether so many of the people today, it was just reported, and I always find the statistic to be a little bit weird how they report this. Uh, they were reporting 900,000 more people applied for unemployment. And then there would be a little note saying, well, this was a little less than the previous time. 900,000 people. I mean, that's almost a million people. And this gets, this keeps happening. Um, so many different weeks um, with everything that's happened because our country did not take care on a national level like so many other countries have done much better at of taking care of our people with with um, with the whole situation of the pandemic and being able to um, set a national agenda. And that's the other, uh, I think that was actually the first executive order of Joe Biden yesterday. 
uh, mandating mask wearing, at least in federal buildings. He can't make everybody do things in your town, in your rural community, in your state. That's not something a president of the United States can do. But just like Donald Trump with his um, the executive orders spent four years undoing for his various reasons. He never thought oh, uh, Barack Obama was was actually born in this country. If you remember the whole birther issue that he felt that it was all a lie that uh, Barack Obama was born in Kenya, that he wasn't really born in Hawaii. This went on for many years. And of course, he wasn't the only one with this belief system. So he come, came into the presidency and one by one tried to, and in many ways, overturn things, whether in the environment, healthcare, and so on, of the Barack Obama and Joe Biden initiatives. Now, for whatever reason, whether people on the, on the right and uh, the people, particularly with the insurrection two weeks ago, where they feel America right or wrong, national uh, white supremacy movements, militia movements, QAnon movements, the uh, Trump supporters, all of the different people. And that was an enormous number of people that came together in Washington, D.C. Um, the reason I bring up uh, the April 19th event, or the this is a date we're going to really have to be careful about this year. Now, there's gonna, many other dates that are going to come up just because yesterday was very beautiful, in my opinion. Um, things went off like clockwork in terms of the agenda and what was planned um, by the inauguration committee. And there were, there, it was bipartisan, too. Um, if you watched those events, you saw Amy Klobuchar and Roy, Roy, Roy Blunt. Um, you had a Democrat and a Republican who had been working together, a bipartisan kind of spirit, to be able to pull off the inaugural events. Let's also note that because of the insurrection that could have cost Mike Pence his life, as well as Nancy Pelosi, when we see what really happened. And it was really by a hair's breadth and a fraction that what Donald Trump in his naivety or his, I mean, lack of vision, as well as people like Rudy Giuliani and others who exhorted that crowd. Um, it, this is why the president went through another impeachment, which was interesting that that happened a week later. That was very quick compared to the impeachment process of 2019 that was very elaborate. So we've just had these gigantic events, and it's astounding to think that America could change from a near catastrophe. I mentioned the last time the word catastrophe and disaster, really the, the etymology means to go against the stars because both of those words have aster or star in them. So when people will say, as I said the last time, well, that was an incredible disaster, or it was, it was a near catastrophe. When a person uses that words, that is actually going back culturally for hundreds, if not a couple of thousand years, to people thinking of comets and meteors and destructive forces and total solar eclipses and total lunar eclipses that they didn't understand or earthquakes that might have been associated signs in the, in the heavens and you go back in history uh like to the emperor constantine seeing um a particular type of uh pattern in in the sky during a, a, a total solar eclipse and then and then being and then converting into christianity and changing a whole sort of the roman the roman epic um back in the 300s and so on. You have all of these amazing things. A lot of these relate to portents and things that have been predicted or part of astronomers and magi and people over the centuries in different cultures. So it's all a very fascinating mix. Um, the April 19th event goes back that before America was born 
in my personal opinion, and most astrologers will, will focus on July 4th, 1776, and don't want to get into the controversies, but we've been working with that at Welcome to Planet Earth and all of the people, you know, who I've associated with on a very high level and rectifying or getting that chart, people like Dane Rudger, Barry Lyons, and many other people in order to look at the historical events of that particular day, Thomas Jefferson's diaries and so on. Uh, particularly um, my main male mentor, uh, Dane Rudger, in his great book, the, the Astrology of America's Destiny, in order to formulate um, and, and get very clear that America was born in the late afternoon of July 4th, 1776. Now, again, there are still astrologers out there who do not accept that date. So I just want to be clear about that. But then Barry Lines, a person I knew when I was starting Welcome to Planet Earth back in 1980, 1981, when Welcome to Planet Earth came into being as a staple together in a newsletter, then then evolved into a newspaper, uh, went from Massachusetts to Wisconsin. First newspaper version of Welcome to Planet Earth uh, was rolled out in November of 1982. And then eventually, about five years later, once um, I was living out here with my family in Oregon, then the newspaper became a magazine. And this is this was a pioneering venture. And now I'm able to go back to a lot of the uh, wonderful stories because they're relevant now. And again, as I shared before, the magazine went to, to Bill Clinton and went to Al Gore through um, their, for instance, George Stephanopoulos, who's now part of ABC News for many years now. And he was um, a key member, I think it was chief of staff for, um, for uh, Bill Clinton. And I was able to get Welcome to Planet Earth to go there and got letters back thanking um, us for sending the uh, mundane astrology information. So it is possible that America and the world can, can do this again. Um, as I've shared before, my idea of a B-A-R-R, all capitals, a Bureau of Astrological Research and Revelation, uh, astrology, particularly Earth astrology, the astrology of new moons and full moons and eclipses, the astrology of world leaders, using tools like astrolocality or astrocartography, where we can take a, a Joe Biden and his birth chart, particularly Kamala Harris, who has an exact birth chart from a birth certificate, being able to see if they go traveling somewhere, what are their energies that are focused in the area of the Persian Gulf? How will their chart be different from when, say, Kamala Harris was born in Oakland, California? Um, on October 20th, 1964, how will her chart change depending on what crisis events or what challenges happen in our country or in Asia or in Latin America or South America and Europe, Persian Gulf, all of these hotspots, which is again a reminder, global hotspots, the complimentary section at Great Bear Enterprises about new moons, full moons. You can see a world map every time I do it. Sometimes again, we, we don't just focus on new moons and full moons, uh, eclipses and major events. There were plenty of things on Great Bear Enterprises Birth Aquarius News with all the news stories, global hotspots, astro, business keys to, to relearn or to focus on the main themes and archetypes of the sun, the moon, the main planets, the four main asteroids, Chiron. There's a whole um, realm of material that's complementary on Paper Enterprise. At any rate, April 19th, 1775, this is the, the, the original kind of shot heard around the world about the idea of the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And so that chart, even though it happened, it was kind of uh, to the late Jim Lewis, who was more or less the main inventor of astrocartography as we now know it. There are many other astrologers over the decades before Jim Lewis 
uh, created literally his astrocartography type work that people went to in the astrology field uh, 30 years ago. I mean, it was quite a while that this all came into field, and now it's been refined into software programs and so on. So any of you out there, um, we even have in our astrology report area in the astrology shop, there we have, I think it's $60. You can get five uh, relocation reports. You need to know your birth time, but it will allow you to see if you're thinking of traveling, if you want to, uh, whether permanently or to do business or to make money or see loved ones, whether going around in, in your own country or in the United States from one time zone to another or going to another place. Um, there's a, a whole series, you can get five of these reports, which will, in plain English, as well as a relocation chart to show you how your energies change. Now, with relocation astrology, you're still the same sun sign, you still have the same moon, Mercury, Venus, all the planets are in the same zodiacal locations, but as you go from one time zone to another. Um, this, In other words, if you think about how this works, when you took your first breath, wherever it was, now through the work of astrocartography, Jim Lewis, Michael Erlewine, so many of these different teachers over the decades, my good colleague Wayne, Wayne Moody, who I talk to a whole lot, um, we, can, we can move people, any individual like yourself, but also when we look at world leaders, we can see, wow, pre, uh, former President Trump or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, this area of the world could be really challenging because here's how their chart changes. Instead of having such and such planet, like say Venus rising, or near the horizon, now they have Mars near the meridian at vertical above or below, or something is setting that's a dangerous planet, Pluto, Neptune, Saturn, in particular areas. Now, again, for yourself, as you're traveling, there's no reason why you can't get into all this. Now, maybe some of you have, but if you haven't, go into our astrology shop, and you can see samples of all the reports. Skylog, which gives you transits and progressions, what are called secondary progressions, Again, as I've shared so many of the podcasts originally that I've done here in, the, in 73 of these, the first 17 of them were the United States Secondary Progressed Sun from July 4th, 1776, and the, and the Pallas Athena, that asteroid, having to do with justice, knowledge, wisdom, equality, um, our, our sense of uh, immune systems for us personally, but also the U.S. De de Defense Department, and so many other areas of seeing patterns and computerized understanding and preventing hacking that Pallas Athena is all related with. So uh, the Sun and Pallas Athena came together and they came together in 2019 and then this has continued because progressions don't necessarily move that far in the United States uh, secondary progress chart based on July 4th, 1776 where each day after that event is a year of living. That's how the secondary progressions work. They go back to your birth year. And so you can get a report, Skylog, on transits, which are the day-to-day -day cycles, but also progress cycles that go back to when you were born. And to see uh, in progressions the deeper psychological, emotional, spiritual unfoldment of your potentials. So this is what I've done in a lot of these more recent podcasts. I've presented the USA progressed or secondary progress chart. Um, I've started talking about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, what is going on with their progress charts. Why have their progressions helped them to win this particular election? Uh, why were the progressions, which I've shared about with Donald Trump, goes all the way back to he having a progressed new moon in Virgo, where the sun and moon came together in Virgo. Uh, these, a progressed new moon only happens every 30 years. And so Donald Trump 
when he entered the presidency was was nearing the end of a 29-year cycle, and that ended in September of uh, 2019. And so he's when we had the whole pandemic situation, which we still have, and he was president last year, and in my estimation, did a completely awful job, as I've shared in so many different podcasts. Again, 13 podcasts in our in the Mark Lerner Astrology radio astroscope section, 13 on the coronavirus and astrology for you to, to look back on, because we're still in that crisis. And now the new government, the first situation is how do we get vaccines to people? The whole system, as they're talking about really today and tomorrow, all these promises that were made by Donald Trump and Mike Pence and Operation Warp Speed and all these different people. Oh, we're going to have so many millions of vaccines. It's all going to be ready. Everything is fine. You're going to have two shots, come back in a couple of weeks and so on. Um, and now we're finding that this whole operation is is not exactly on, on, on target by a long shot. So this new administration now has to get back into all this and people are going to need to be patient. Remember last time I said, be patient with me because there's so many of these cycles. And and just if you, if you hear that introduction every time that I give about how many charts are in there, wait till you get to see what, what I've been dealing with just in the last 36 hours. The, these different charts, and that's how I work as an astrologer for the last 47 years. I get these waves of, wow, I got to look at the George Washington's oath of office uh, chart because now I see some of those planets are connecting to Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. It's not as if I I don't know that that it's there, but there are so many charts. It's not just the U.S. chart. There's when George Washington took the oath of office. There's uh, this new moon before birth. We all have new moons before we're born. We're all born in some kind of phase of sun moon, new moon, first quarter, full moon, last quarter. Uh, dark of the moon near the end, and sub-phases within the whole process of the 29.5-day solar lunar cycle. So are countries. So um, a while back, I forget when it was, many months ago, and I did actually put this into a podcast. I decided to do this research now that we have great software. Hey, let me look at the chart for June 15, 1776. That was uh, a couple weeks, like three weeks before the Declaration of in Independence through Thomas Jefferson and others came into being and America was born. And what I found was astounding. Now I'm going to share about it because that chart is very connected to Kamala Harris, her, her ascendant, her rising sign, the nodes, the fateful nodes in her chart. And this begins to help explain, just as we'll look at the chart for presidential power. There's a, there's a couple of positions, but particularly in the sign Pisces, um, at uh, 20 degrees, Saturn in Pisces, when uh, George Washington took the first oath, April 30th, 1789, which was in New York City. The, the powerful Saturn position, we know Saturn is elevated in the United States chart, uh, up in the 10th house. We didn't know that Neptune was up there and even more connected to our meridian that, because Neptune wasn't discovered till September 23rd, 1846. But when the founders began the country, they, they recognized the importance of July 4th when the sun is in the sign Cancer and it was making, uh, approaching within one degree or about one and a half degrees, uh, Saturn in the sky. Because what they were trying to do is no taxation without represent, representation. They were going to fight against the 13 colonies were, were picking a fight with the British Empire. And the odds that that was going to win, that they were going to win, was, was remote. But it actually did work out due to the events, like I said, 
we're going to look at the uh, chart for, again for the deck uh, discovery of Uranus and on March 13, 1781. Six, seven months later, Cornwallis surrenders to Washington and the colonies in October um, at Yorktown. But but as I shared the previous time, when you I remember as a kid, um, I was in the third and fourth grade. We had film strips in those days back in this is. <laughs> goes back a long way, 1958, 1959, um, 1960. Those were the years, um, I was eight, nine, ten years old before JFK was murdered in 1963. I was 13 and a half at that point. But one of the jobs that I was given, and I remember I really relished it, we had a little room in the primary school, which was just a block and a half. This is in Queens, New York, the same borough where Donald Trump was born four years earlier. And the teacher would give out different assignments for keep people, kids to do things and one of the things I had at an early age was going into this other room where they had film strips I don't if, if you're a young person you might even not know what a film strip is but they were in little canisters and the teacher would say go get the film strip of, of Washington and his role in in uh, the American Revolution and it would be categorized and they bring that in and there was a particular projector and there was no there was no video I mean you just see um, a, a film strip and then there'd be words under it, and the kid, we'd all look at that, and they talk about, okay, Valley Forge, this is what happened on that day, Washington and his troops, and then here's the next battle, and so on and so forth, and it would be an educational thing. But I remember being excited that my job, one of my, one of my jobs, I guess it was fourth grade, I think that whole term, was, uh, or it was Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War. Whatever it was, there were these different video or images that we would learn from. Now, of course, you'd have your regular reading, writing, arithmetic, and all that stuff in all your subjects, but that that's a memory that I have, and that's even before I started tuning into people like, uh, uh, on TV, the news reporters, uh, Walt, Walter Cronkite being my favorite. Um, so I even had this in, in grade school before I ever decided years later when I was in college at Michigan State, and I was working on politics and becoming a reporter. Fortunately, my paper, my, my picture was in the newspaper, uh, which we had a great newspaper in Michigan State, 1968, 69, 70, and so on. And that gave me my first ability to do things uh, as, a, as a writer, as a communicator about politics and so on. But of course, at that point, I had no idea that when I would turn 22, a couple years later, I would find astrology. So I've shared about a lot of those things. So at any rate, we're going to go back um, in a little bit about um, this this magazine. If you go to the folder at Great Bear Enterprises, and you'll see all these different charts, which I'm really excited to share because I have put out the New Moon Before Birth of America chart. I don't know if, I mean, I've studied and worked with the Discovery of Uranus chart so much over the decades, but I don't know if it's actually in any of the podcasts. So that's going to be in this podcast 73 in the folder and the presidential power chart I have shared before but now it comes up as also being extra important so we're going to take a look at all of these things before we're done today but it's going to lead uh, to my reading from uh, about the seven rays in the Mideast crisis from 1990 Scorpio but it's not so much that I want to share about the Mideast crisis although we're always on the verge in fact this morning I think there was uh, a suicide bombing in, in, in Baghdad, in Iraq. And with everything that's with Iran, that still hasn't changed. We could still have, um, even with Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, even though 
hopefully they're going to have a less contentious relationship with Iran um, than what we had the last four years. And I will share more about that another time. But the reason I'm going to read this, uh, I know last time I mentioned there's a magazine um, where I wrote Timeline to War is History Repeating Itself. I will do that in either the next one or a future one. That was from 27 and a half years ago, my research about the Titanic, uh, the Hindenburg of 1937 exploding in New Jersey, the War of the Worlds broadcast um, by the Mercury Theater and Orson Welles in uh, uh, Halloween 1938. Um, the Trade Center bombing, the Waco apocalypse, that's all on the cover of Timeline to War. And I will share about that. I will read that article because it's very important. Uh, and that goes back to um, 1993. But this other one is very interesting because of Mars and, and Uranus. You'll see, the, we're going to get into the seven rays from esoteric astrology. I've shared so much about lucistrust.org, L-U-C-I-S. TRUST.org, where I worked before I was able to be, fortunately, a member of Fintorn, this fabulous, amazing community in Northern Scotland, where I, I got there in 1976 and was a member there for several years. Before I was able to go to Fintorn, I was working uh, with the Arcane School, Lucis Trust, Lucis Publishing Company, World Goodwill Triangles, which was in one of their offices in New York City. It, it was right near the United Nations. And so I'm still working with all of these teachings. I, I've shown some of the, um, the, the books, like The Destiny of the Nations, The Seven Rays, A Treatise on Cosmic Fire, Esoteric Astrology, and on our app, which is um, Astrology Cosmic Calendar, which I've done for 39 years. It, was in the, it used to be in the center of the newspaper and uh, the magazine of Welcome to Planet Earth. And when that all ended in the year 2000, it still has continued. So we're going to be celebrating 40 years of the daily cosmic calendar, but you can get the app, Astrology Cosmic Calendar, calendar with a K, and it's free one day at a time for iOS or Android. Um, but if you decide to subscribe, which is even better, and it's not that expensive, then you can subscribe for a year, six months, um, or one month, and then you can go into the future. And it's always running three to four weeks into the future, sometimes even longer, sometimes two and a half weeks. But the point is you can go not just to getting it for free every day, what's in the sky, new moons, full moons, lunar alignments, Chiron, stations, retrogrades, the whole kit and caboodle, that's all in our own charts, but so many people forget, hey, what's in the sky? That's also important, the interrelationship, what we call transit to transits. What are the planets doing with one another, independent of how they're affecting you or me or any of us as individuals? So most of astrology is, oh, here's my birth chart. Now I know more about my chart, I'm not just a sun sign, Taurus or Scorpio, whatever. I have a moon here. I know where my Mercury and Venus are and what they mean. Getting into the asteroids, to Chiron, the nodes of the moon, the whole chart. Either you do it yourself, you get your chart done. And of course, I have done. And, and, and on our website, you can see there's a telephone consultation area. If you decide you want to um, order a session with me, there's five different kinds. But what I'm, what I'm sharing with you is that there are all these opportunities to utilize uh, astrology in a bigger and broader way. Uh, part of one of the reasons I wanted to mention the astrology cosmic, calen uh, cosmic calendar that you can get for your iPhone or Android is that we, if you subscribe, then it's, there's a small little section which is called the cosmic chat. may not seem all that important, but every couple of days I add something to it. It's often a quotation from some of the, um, the 
Ellis A. Bailey, Tibetan Master D.K., these teachings from uh, on esoteric astrology, the seven rays, looking at the planets, the solar system, the zodiac in a higher way, a more spiritual way, a more meditative way, and also to enhance goodwill. So one of my missions that I've set up for myself, and I've always been part of the World Goodwill Movement, and it's part of my own personality or the way I behave in life. My whole goal with astrology was not like to get into this to make a bunch of money because it's it's very hard actually and it's still hard to be able to do this in a culture where uh, religious organizations uh, look askance at, at astrology, science, medicine, all these areas, they all think astrology is a pseudoscience. So I, I still deal with this all the time. Nothing's really changed. I mean there's more astrology out there, that's great. More people are into it, astrology, tarot, numerology, metaphysics, Eastern, Western teachings, all kinds of things. So we're kind of in an extraordinary time where there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of things like Google going online, going to Wikipedia, you, typing something into an, your iPad or your iPhone, getting incredible knowledge. We've never had all of this amount of, of information and ideas at our fingertips at the same time as we, as we see with things like um, the insurrection. There's a dark web. There's there's all kinds of conspiratorial ideas about America, about what's wrong, a deep state. All of these different people are doing terrible things. And uh, this is just one series of belief systems. And we have a lot of people be way before this time, like I said, you go back to the Ruby Ridge events, which were also um, uh, during the time period, even before uh, Bill Clinton came in under George Bush number one in Idaho. Um, this this anti-government movement of um, uh, that is usually and it's not completely white supremacist, but that's a big part of it. And you go back to the history of the Ku Klux Klan and all these different organizations I shared before. And I've done the two podcasts about the Vesta Covenant that unfortunately the shadow side of a wonderful, incredible asteroid Vesta, which has so much to do with sisterhood, safety and security, home and hearth. Um, insurance, investment, brotherhood, sisterhood. Um, Vesta is considered the, the eldest sister of the four main uh, goddess archetypes of the four asteroids of Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. But like every single planet, including Venus and Mars, excuse me, Venus and Jupiter, which are considered the great benefics, every single planet, the sun, the moon, can all operate in a negative way. It all depends on how we approach our chart. So there is no such thing as a bad chart. Oh, you know, this is squaring that or these planets are opposite. Therefore, negativity must happen. And that's why um, part of my mission today is th this inauguration chart with a void moon. We'll get into that again um, with the, the oaths were taken a little earlier than noon. But the Constitution stipulates that the new administration begins at noon. So the chart for noon is still a valid chart even though Kamala Harris took the oath quite a bit early than normal. I think it was about 11.41 in the morning. I, I have the information here that, um, yeah, well, let's see, 11, 11.42 in the morning, Kamala Harris, Harris took the oath from uh, Sonia Santomayor, um, the, the, the uh, Latina um, justice in the Supreme Court. And then at 11.48, which was 12 minutes before noon, Joe Biden, was uh, took the oath from Chief Justice John Roberts, and he began speaking at 11.51. Uh, but as an example, I was watching the clock, and it turned out at exactly 12.01, between exactly noon, which is the constitutional beginning of this four-year administration, 
uh, between 12 noon and 12.01, in his speech, he, he, he talked about, and isn't it fabulous that Kamala Harris as the first woman and woman of color has become vice president of the United States? And as I share more podcasts in the future, we share more about Kamala Harris, and we know her chart exactly, and we see what's going on in her progressions, and we see that she's moving into a career cycle, this is going to be a crucial thing for America one way or another. Now, I will never predict right here, right now, that she has to become the next president one way or another, but she certainly fits a description of something that could happen because of America's birth chart and where the moon in Aquarius with Pallas Athena, and now we know Quaor, this uh, planet that is way beyond Pluto, or I shouldn't say way beyond, but it's definitely beyond Pluto and was discovered. I have the information here somewhere but it's more than the 247-year cycle of Pluto. So now we know there's a planet um, connected to Native American uh, mythology, from the, interestingly, from the Los Angeles area. And of course, Los Angeles, Los Angeles County is in a dire situation regarding COVID and the hospitals and ERs and ICUs and so on. So that's a dangerous area right now in the United States, uh, as so many areas are overloaded with hospitals, and mainly because people during... Thanksgiving and Christmas and so on, they'll be flying around and won't eat a lot of the warnings. And again, you can go back to my coronavirus and astrology sharings, and particularly where I've shared about 1918, and we're, we're, the Santa Ana message of whoever doesn't learn from the past is condemned to repeat it. This is something that our country has done a terrible, terrible job of. I mean, absolutely awful of repeating the mistakes from the so-called Spanish flu, which didn't come from Spain in 1918. At the uh, as World War One was beginning to end, and we have all those lessons, and books have been written. And I, I mentioned before, there's a there's a great CNN special that goes back and um, to 1918 and what happened. And of course, we didn't have the medications at that point, but the different things that America that Americans tried to do, local governments, the federal government, and Woodrow Wilson, a Democrat, again, the United States was in war behave very much exactly like Donald Trump. Hey, I don't want this to uh, interfere with the war effort and so on. And so it's astounding that 102 years difference, a Democratic president, Woodrow Wilson, and a so-called, uh, as I've said, Donald Trump has never been a Republican. He's never been a conservative. He just utilized the Republican Party, unfortunately, to his advantage during uh, the four years. And now the Republicans, Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence among them, are beginning to wake up and say, wait a minute, you know, we, we, we connected to this guy, and this guy, even Mitch McConnell has said now several times, Mike Pence hasn't, but M Mitch McConnell realizes, wait a minute, if I hitch my wagon to this guy's star after the insurrection, and Donald Trump actually going there and saying the things that he said, and after his tweeting a couple hours later, even say, hey, make it peaceful. But then he said, I love you guys. And this is just the beginning and all these different things. This is why he was taken off Twitter and then Facebook because he just went over the line and it, it finally took the, that event and by a hair's breadth that the Capitol was not completely trashed and that Mike Pence could have been injured or killed um, because they were going after him for not possibly not doing what Donald Trump and their um, extreme mob mentality of like, he's our savior, Donald Trump, and we're gonna just go in there and that Democrats and 
Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, they're all, all evil. They're all part of this horrible situation. Now, I mean, people are still going to be uh, wanting to, as I said before, we still have militia, right-wing, uh, white supremacists, uh, neo-Nazis, different groups that are all, they don't have the leader in Donald Trump anymore. They, but nevertheless, we go back, as I said, Ruby Ridge, um, which happened in the George Bush administration before Bill Clinton. Then we had Waco, and then we on April, which culminated on April nineteenth of nineteen ninety three. And then two years exactly later, Timothy McVeigh used the the Waco event, and he was actually down there. Timothy McVeigh, you can go back, look, read your history of having him, him being in the army, getting support from a couple other people, and then blowing up. Um, um, that building, uh, the FBI air uh, building there in Oklahoma City, and 170 some odd people, including a couple of dozen children in a daycare center. It was the worst um, loss of life in a terrorist event in the United States before 911, and that was on April 19th. And so, our government, our FBI, ATF, all these different organizations, all the things that the the people on the right say that's the deep state. They're all horrible. State Department. ATF, FBI, and so on, with all the different thousand people. Yeah, historically, there have been problems. You know, um, J. Edgar Hoover in charge of the FBI for 50 years. I mean, the FBI has changed. I'm not saying it's all perfect. State Department, sure, there are always rogue people in these different organizations. So it's there are, we might say, yeah, deep state, of course. I mean, you can't. You can't have a new administration. I mean, this is the thing when you think about it statistically. Let, let's be real. Let's be practical. People on the right wing say, oh, deep state, Democrats, all these ter terrible people, Nancy Pelosi, um, Joe Biden, other people, the Clintons. You know, it's all horrific. It's all these people in the Democratic Party that are somehow all awful. Well, look, Reagan was president for eight years with George Bush. We still had a State Department of tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand plus people. So they, you don't just suddenly hire a hundred thousand new people for the Pentagon, the Department of Defense or the State Department. So when people throw around a term, the deep state, you have to have continuity. Of course, you need to be able to look through the organization. You don't want people who are going to spy for Russia, who we think are model citizens. Um, or People would allow hacking because somehow their relatives came from Eastern Europe or another part of the world and they feel a kinship with uh, communist China or Cuba or whatever it is. But to paint um, the State Department or the previous Barack Obama, Joe Biden administration, because it's the most recent one, of being communist or socialist or they, they're the only administration with the deep state. Remember, there was George Bush Jr. and Dick Cheney for eight years, okay? And that's where, unfortunately, we had 911 and and uh, soldiers that are still in Afghanistan and so soldiers of ours that are still in Iraq, Iraq and Afghanistan and different places around the world. Now, I do, I do believe that a couple of the things that Donald Trump wanted to do, I mean, I don't think we should have our soldiers tens of thousands all over the planet being the world's policemen. I just wish that Donald Trump had stayed true to his democratic, more um, his ideas about about infrastructure. See, this, 
And the same thing happened under Barack Obama. You know, we need to fix the roads in this country. We need to have people working. Again, this is the thing that I find absolutely frustrating. Now millions of people, due to COVID and a lot of the different policies, particularly in this last administration of passing bills to help the 1%, to help corporate America. Of course, this is what excited the Mitch McConnells, the, 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 Cru the Cruises, uh, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, all these people who thought Donald Trump was the worst person ever four, four years ago in the primaries and then said, wow, he's, he's great. You know, now we've passed this bill, you know, and it's great for businesses and we're going to get rid of government regulations and so on. I mean, this is the same kind of thing that was happening under the Reagan administration. And, and then the, with the same concept, it goes back to Herbert Hoover, which was when he lost so badly and we had the Great, great Depression of 1929 of trickle-down economics. I mean, this has gone on over and over and over again, and it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. So in part of the reason of, of the desperation of Donald Trump in the, in the year 2020 last year was, oh, my God, now we've got, as he even said yesterday when he left, and he gave his little speech at Joint, Joint Andrews Base, which was a terrible speech. And he just went on the fly. That was something he could have really been, uh, from a teleprompter, said something that was sensitive and kind. He mentioned a couple of things now in his last couple of um, videos uh, about the new administration. He's never mentioned the name Joe Biden. He has never done that. Apparently, he left a letter for um, now the new president. So I saw this morning that a news report, people wanting to know what did President Trump say in the letter because other presidents have left very nice letters. We know that Bill Clinton got a very, very wonderful letter from George Bush number one. And the same thing. I mean, if you, this is the thing that's so astounding. I'm laughing about is it. like they showed the pictures yesterday of how Barack Obama and Michelle Obama were so kind, so kind on inauguration day to Donald Trump and Melania Trump. You could see all the pictures. Did they behave like Donald Trump is behaving now, even with Melania Trump, not to not to shake a, a new president's hand, not to give them a warm, um, you know, welcome into the White House? I mean, it is absolutely astounding that people on the extreme side politically will think that that's OK and to try and go into the Capitol building and then kill people or kidnap them. Now, to, to think that we didn't know this could happen is ridiculous because months earlier we saw in Michigan and I went to school in East Lansing, Michigan State is right next to the capital of Lansing. Governor Whitmer had to actually get security for her home and where she was and for her family because people wanted to kidnap her. Right wing people wanted to kidnap her. They were then arrested by the FBI in case you forgot that story. Um, and they wanted to then execute her because she's a woman. And Donald Trump had said things, he again, when he didn't like a liberal governor, same thing out here with Kate Brown or um, the governor of Washington um, or different governors, but particularly I'm thinking Michigan and Oregon and Washington. And I'm sure there's others where he would chastise, but he wouldn't name even the individual. He would just say that woman, the governor of Michigan, uh, and then his followers and then people who want to get rid of our government anyway and who want things to be more, don't, they don't want multiculturalism. They don't want to accept uh, particularly part of the thing that is so horrifying 
for people who are into a, a nationalist or a white nationalist supremacist movement and conspiratorial movement. They're all combined. There's so many different groups. So now they're kind of leaderless, but they still are. This is a dangerous thing. So at any rate, back to this one other thing before we go forward here. There are many different new moons and full moons and planetary events. I, uh, I, I shared before, and this is also, uh, I, I shared this on Coast to Coast, uh, I believe, when I was asked about it. I was on Coast to Coast on January 7th. I also suggest looking into Coast to Coast AM, wonderful host George Norrie. I've been able to be on there since 2004, almost 30 different times, and being able to share about Earth astrology, mundane astrology, as well as uh, the astrology that I do personally for folks. So um, one of the things I believe I mentioned, and which I will keep sharing with you as we go forward, is Saturn and Uranus. These two major planets are going to be making squares. And there's three of them this year, from Aquarius, where Saturn is now, after Jupiter and Saturn have just come together, as they always do every 20 years. We just had the first Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius since 1405. So that's 615 years since Jupiter and Saturn were conjunct in Aquarius together. Okay, they, they come into conjunction every 20 years. But now Saturn in Aquarius and Uranus in Taurus, they're going to be squaring. And, and this gets back to the whole thing of discovery of Uranus and uh, the U.S. birth chart with Sun square Saturn. We didn't know Uranus where it was until 1781. And so... Um, while the Uranus and Saturn in the U.S. birth chart, they don't have necessarily an enormous conflict with each other. They're actually trying in the U.S. birth chart. The, the challenge is that the United States has Mars and Uranus in Gemini, and Mars and Neptune are in a square right-angle pattern on July 4th, 1776. But as we'll see, when, when suddenly 1781 happened, Uranus was discovered, we realized and now we realize it's a planet of radical change and revolution and shockwaves and higher intuition, breakthroughs in higher consciousness, the inventions of things like radio and television, the online universe. Uranus has a lot to do with so many different things, lightning-like changes on, on enormous levels. But um, what, I, what I'm going to get to uh, at the end of today is the fact that we just had Mars and Uranus together in Taurus, and that was part of yesterday, even though there was a void moon, at the oaths and at the noontime, and then Mars and Uranus were getting ready to make a conjunction. Now, overnight and this morning, the moon has just hit that the Mars and Uranus. Mars and Uranus are a dangerous pair because of Mars's traditional energy connected to war, in, inflammation, being rash, being reckless, uh, bl bloodshed, uh, violence, and volatility of all kinds. And again, it's not surprising, unfortunately, that Donald Trump did what he did to incite that particular crowd. Now, even Mitch McConnell has said that. That's why there's going to be a trial at some point. Now, whether it's a good idea or not in the Senate, and we don't know, the odds are, in my opinion, that you're not going to get two-thirds of senators to convict Donald Trump. Maybe, maybe it will happen. It probably won't. So it's dangerous to even consider doing it because if, if he's not convicted, he's already been impeached for this insurrection event of January 6th and only took a week. Uh, and then, as, as I said, at the new moon of January 13th, which, by the way, Mars and Saturn were squaring, the next day the Sun and Pluto were together, and the day after that Uranus made a station. So this month of January has been and will continue to be volatile. For instance, tomorrow Mars and Jupiter will make a square. Okay, tomorrow being... 
uh, January 22nd, Mars and Jupiter will be at odds with each other. And that might seem minor compared to, say, Sun conjunct Pluto um, or Jupiter and Saturn, the two largest planets coming together every 20 years. But Mars squaring Jupiter is not a, a, an insignificant um, square. And then on Saturday, the first weekend after the Joe Biden, Kamala Harris uh, inauguration, we get the Sun conjunct Saturn. Now, that it sounds like maybe that could be good. After all, we just had Jupiter and Saturn, and the Sun and Saturn can work together, but Saturn traditionally can represent, when it's negative, fear, karma, blocks, pessimism. There's a lot of people on the right now, after what happened on January 6th, and with the failure, shall we say, of what that was, or what it was hoped to be, and now we see Donald Trump is no longer president, and now that if there is a possibility that if the Senate did convict him, which again, I think is a long shot, but if it happened, then they can make another vote that if, if they were to agree beyond that to a second kind of thing, he wouldn't actually be able to run in 2024. So that's part of the reason why the Democrats through Nancy Pelosi and having the edge in the House decided to go through with this impeachment thing. And again, to, if I were to think about it right now, I'd think, hey, let, let's let Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get to the work. You know, COVID, we've got health care. Um, we've got to deal with so many different crises. They've got to figure out what's happening nationally and internationally and economically, getting more money to states, seeing if, if Congress can come along to give more of those checks to Americans and do something so that the economy doesn't fall off a cliff. And again, we do the hospitals are overrun. We still have flu season going on. There's still all these states and cities uh, and things could keep getting difficult uh, because of uh, the new transmission, the new COVID mutations that are going on that we heard about that are in the, are the United States. Dr. Fauci today has hooked us back up with the World Health Organization. And while they, a lot of the things that happened with the World Health Organization, the CDC, we know uh, there were a lot of mistakes. But Part of the reason is, again, we never had a, um, never got a vaccine in earlier than four years with the mumps, and that was a miracle. And as I've shared before in some of the different podcasts and with the coronavirus and astrology, the search for, for a cure for polio. And again, I was a little kid when um, the, we got our polio shots, and now we think of it as second nature, but Franklin Roosevelt got polio and he was 39 years old, and it was basically hidden from the public. I mean, they knew there was some kind of issue that he had. But again, because we didn't have television those days, they were able to conceal that kind of thing for the most part. So, um, but that's what he had. Um, and um, again, for decades, um, they didn't have a vaccine. So the rollout of this particular thing, which again, thankfully, because it's a worldwide effort, I know Donald Trump has tried to take all the credit for it, but this was really a worldwide um uh, effort. Pfizer uh, coming out, again, two doses, having to keep the vaccine incredibly cold. That means all kinds of arrangements. Uh, with uh, Pete to judge today is being interviewed potentially from uh, the, the mayor in, uh, uh, in Indiana to being the, the secretary of, the, of transportation, which has tens of thousands of people. And that's an important position assuming he gets it. And again, he was running for president. That didn't work for him, but he's a very intelligent person. And um, we need somebody in, in that department, uh, as well as all these other departments, because of what Donald Trump putting in 
these ridiculous people into the Pentagon. That's still a danger until we get the new uh, defense secretary. Same thing happened, what was it, yesterday? Josh Hawley, who is one of the Republican senators who was supportive of Donald Trump and that the election was stolen and all these different things where he should have known better as a person <laughs> with his background. I, another one of these persons from Harvard, like Ted Cruz, you know, that somehow or another start believing these conspiracy theories. But the, the other point is, is that they have their own motivations. Ted Cruz wants to be president of the United States. Josh Hawley wants to be president of the United States. So sometimes they'll hook on to what they think. This is my greatest path to get there, even if it's completely illogical and not true. We saw that picture of the Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri doing a, like a, a power thing to the crowd. And you can't, you know, where he, you can't take that away. Same thing with Donald Trump had sort of squirmed away between the previous impeachment where he wasn't convicted. There's never been a, a second impeachment of anybody, but you have to look at it from also the long, long perspective. If we hadn't done anything, if Nancy Pelosi didn't do anything, if they didn't have one article impeachment that came through and they were able to get um, Liz Cheney, uh, a very powerful figure, daughter of Dick Cheney, uh, in the House to be able to support that, and nine other Republicans, which is very unusual for an impeachment. Normally, it's a, a complete split, you know, Democrats against Republicans, Republicans against Democrats, whatever it is, and no switchovers from the other party. The fact that you had a significant person, Liz Cheney, saying the President of the United States incited this thing. Didn't you get Mitch McConnell to do that, the leader of the Senate? So if you look at it, what's happening is the Republican Party is detaching itself finally away from Donald Trump after all these years when the truth or the reality finally became visible at that insurrection mob. Now again, about Mars, where we're going to go here, this is very important. As I shared the last time, so let me reiterate it because I didn't spend a whole lot of time although in the, uh, on the, the mob insurrection chart. And again, there were different times on that day, so I didn't clarify that. I think I used the time 1.59 p.m. This is from the news reports and things that I saw on January 6th of either breaking in, breaking windows, and finally getting into the building. Because again, astrology is birth moments of, of yourself as a person or, or the start of uh, a business or getting married or birth of a child, whatever it may be, or the oath of office for presidency or the start of a term of office, uh, president, vice president for four years. Astrology is the art and the oracle and the magic and the budding science of whatever happens at a moment of time has the qualities of that moment of time, the Carl Jung statement. Um, so astrology are birth moments, and then we look at the, the various charts for those energies. So whether it was exactly 159, which is the chart I'm using, and or a, there was a couple of other times that the videos and people taking pictures were showing like 212, 213, 214. This is all Eastern time. But all of those time periods, the important thing is that Mars was at 29 plus of Aries. So this is going to get us back eventually into the inauguration chart two weeks later that just happened yesterday. So on January 6th, Mars was in the last degree of Aries. Mars rules Aries. Um, there's a whole podcast I did on podcast 59, Mars retrograde. And not only was Mars retrograde at the election in November, which is does not always happen. And remember, Donald Trump has Mars rising and his son in Gemini, as I've shared before, Donald Trump's son on the United States Mars, just like George Bush number one uh, as a sun sign Gemini. And I warned people with through the magazine Welcome Planet Earth not to elect George Bush. 
So I, I, I don't want people to be thinking, what, what does Mark Leonard have against only against Donald Trump? As if I'm a Democrat or some left-leaning person who just thinks that Donald Trump, you know, is the worst person uh, for whatever reason. There are astrological reasons they connect to the United States birth chart. They connect to the Declaration of Independence. So I'm an equal opportunity supporter of any person if they're conservative, if they're Republican, if they're liberal, whoever they may be. If their astrological energies are basically encouraging people, if there's goodwill, if there's something positive, which for the most part I see in a person like Joe Biden, and I've not always agreed with him. Unfortunately, Donald Trump's chart is so connected to the U.S. birth chart in so many ways that I've shared before. And because he's not He's never been a Republican, he's never been a conservative, but because of his work with The Apprentice, The Celebrity Apprentice, and, and how he basically took over that party by coming in there. You can go back to the, the, the debates. Go back to the debates, which I watched very much in 2016, when the Lindsey Grahams and Ted Cruz and everybody were saying Donald Trump was uh, Mark, uh, Marco Rubio. Um, every one of them... They, they thought Donald Trump was just ridiculous, and they said so. And Donald Trump would say things like, if you, because he has forced luster buys in Libra, he's Juno conjunct Chiron in Libra, Donald Trump. So even though he's a Gemini, his son is on the United States Mars, he has Leo rising, Mars near the ascendant, and Leo in other positions, the guy has more planets in Libra than anywhere else. Neptune, not stationary in Libra. Jupiter, exactly stationary in Libra. Juno conjunct Chiron at 14 degrees of Libra, which is the United States Saturn. And, and Libra is the sign uh, that we often hear with Fox News, supposedly, even though they use it um, in a way that isn't necessarily true. Fair and balanced, fair and balanced, fair and balanced. Fair and balanced is Libra, okay? The scales of justice that should be uh, blind justice so that we don't perpetrate injustice against people who are poor, people who don't look like us, whatever it may be. So unfortunately, Donald Trump wound up with his chart so connected to the U.S. chart and maneuvering, getting into the, into the Republican Party. But he used to say in those debates, if you don't treat me fairly, I will bolt. And now, even I think he's asking apparently from news reports, what about creating a new party? I think there was a term, the Patriot Party. Maybe that would be what he wants to do. And four years ago, he never thought he'd actually win. It was just due to um, Hillary Clinton's ineptitude, to be quite frank and honest. She was never a good politician. And she wound up never campaigning in Wisconsin. And she, uh, Michael Moore, you know, the, the documentarian, was warning for months before the 2016 election about Michigan, where he's from. He did, of course, that original incredible documentary about Flint, Michigan. Um, water crisis, which now uh, has come out too. They just uh, indicted the former governor with the whole crisis, the water crisis in Flint and all the poisons and lead and all these other things. Of course, he did bowling for Columbine and so many other things. But Michael Moore was warning Hillary Clinton Democrats, You're, you could lose Michigan. The, nobody, nobody listened to him. So he was warning again this time as well. And, and luckily, Joe Biden, from the Democratic standpoint, they were able to win back Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, which were the key states, even though they also won Nevada, uh, excuse me, Arizona and Georgia, which had not been won in the last election to give uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris this win. 
Anyway, we, we don't, I don't want to uh, relitigate the whole thing, but it was basically because enough people were voting before Election Day because they didn't want to get COVID. They didn't want to stand in all the lines and go back to last year of what the president, president say and, and why he said it in order to try and manipulate the vote, which he did um, in the middle of the night on November 4th. And you can go back and see that, I believe it was in the East Room, and without all the results coming in from the states, which would have to take several days to record all of those votes. He said, I won Michigan, I won Wisconsin. This is this, you know, just a couple months ago, November 4th, the, right after the election, if you go back between 2 and 3 in the morning. And this was all planned. This is not like a, like impromptu kind of thing. Oh, uh, I'm just going to see what, what, what the results are. It was already planned that he knew that those states, particularly Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, would take, according to their own rules and laws, several days to count all the mail-in ballots. So he was in the lead. Yes, he was in the lead of what was actually of the people who voted that day. Tens of thousands of votes were still not counted. So he went to the East Room, and in front of his family and other people, you could watch it. They jumped up every two seconds when he was saying, I won Michigan by so many votes, applause, stamping of feet. Oh, yes, you're the greatest person. Then uh, Pennsylvania, I've won it by this and that. They had planned this. this. What people need to understand who somehow don't get it about Donald Trump, he spent 14 years doing The Apprentice and The Celebrity Apprentice on NBC. That's why he had all the name recognition. Now, of course, people knew him. Oh, yeah, Donald Trump, Lifestyles and the Rich and Famous. The guy who has the, the Trump building, um, the Trump brands, um, the real estate guy, whatever. So growing up in New York, we saw all this. You know, Mike Bloomberg, um, mayor of New York, at Hillary Clinton's, um, at the convention, said the guys, Donald Trump is a con man, he's a con man. All this applause for the Democrats because they knew who Donald Trump was. And if you're from New York or if you're in certain areas, you know who he was with the casinos and everything else and all the background racial intolerance and things like that, his father marching with the KKK down Queens Boulevard, which is where I live. So I can't be, let me put it this way, could I be impartial? Yes, if Donald Trump actually did the things as the kind of person he always was, li liberal, not Republican, not conservative. This was an act. This was an, a means of power to do certain things. And now that whole nightmare is basically over. Or it's over for the moment. It's, it's never, as as I use the quote from Yogi Berra, because I, I grew up in New York and loved the New York Yankees at the time, like Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra, but Yogi Berra with his famous, it ain't over till it's over, it gets late early out there, uh, it's deja vu all over again. So yes, it ain't over till it's over. And, and that's why I'm bringing up um, the, the this movement of various militias neo-Nazis, KKK, and so on, QAnon, or whatever, all these di disparate er uh, elements found in Donald Trump for, for a short period of time leading to January 6th. So the thing that I wanted you to know was the reason that day was so horrific was Mars hit 30 of Aries. That degree, though, was the previous Mars-Uranus conjunction from February 12th of 2019. So the way astrology works when you study it in mundane or earth astrology, there are these big cycles. Like again, this year, Saturn and Uranus will be squaring on February 17th, and then two more times. And oddly enough, one of those other times this year will be on June 14th. 
which is Donald Trump's birthday, there'll be another Saturn Uranus square. And then the last one will be uh, December 23rd, 24th, right before Christmas. So if we were looking at the whole year, and there are going to be new moons and full moons and stations and various things that are going to happen along the way, some of which are going to be very positive. We're going to have Venus and Jupiter in a conjunction in uh, February 11th at the next, uh, at the Aquarius new moon. Uh, February 11th, there'll be a new moon in Aquarius and Venus and, and Jupiter will be in a conjunction. Well, that's, that's a fortuitous potential energy and that's right next to or coinciding with the Chinese Lunar New Year. And then uh, Mercury and Jupiter, which were already together once, they're going to come together uh, on, on Valentine's Day. And then they'll also come together on March 4th. So Mercury and Jupiter have come together once, they'll come together two more times. That can be helpful. Venus and Jupiter come together every year. They're going to come together on February 11th at a new moon in Aquarius. That's fortuitous. Or, or that's why I say, look and get the uh, Astrology Cosmic Calendar. Get it for free and then subscribe to it. So you can look at these things ahead of time. Also, I put in the Astro Flash section on the app, on Astrology Cosmic Calendar, again, calendar with a K, there is an Astro Flash section. Now, I just literally put on there and to go ahead into the future. So if you have a, a free, uh, as, uh, if you have the app and it's only for free where you can only look one day at a time, then, then the, the, the situation is I gave you a reason to subscribe because I just put an Astro Flash on there two days ago giving um, the full moon of January 28th and what's happening there, when the, uh, which is coming up shortly, which is a full moon, sun in Aquarius, moon in Leo. And on that day, we have sun conjunct Jupiter as well as Venus conjunct Pluto. So January 30th, which is only nine days from now, you go, you get the app and also i i am saying if you if you subscribe to it you'll also have the world goodwill sort of connection that i believe in so strongly with different statements and quotations in the cosmic chat and you can make comments and i can also return those comments and there can be a dialogue and we're just developing that so it hasn't really become what it can be in the future of an interaction between myself and people who have a subscription to the astrology cosmic calendar. That's the reason we put that cosmic chat in there. So right now it's a beginning. I'm often putting quotations from the Tibetan master DK, Alice Bailey, esoteric astrology. It's, it's kind of like to whet your appetite for how we can use astrology in terms of world goodwill. So, um, but in the astro flash, there's two dates in there, January 28th, full moon coming up in nine, uh, did I say nine days? Seven days from now, January 28th. Sun conjunct Jupiter at a full moon. Full moons can be, we feel, pulled apart, like with Donald Trump's birth chart being born at a total lunar eclipse. Gemini and Sagittarius, where his sun and moon were igniting the United States Mars from July 4th, 1776. Or, like with Kamala Harris, and she's born, which we'll get into part of it today, part of it the next time, because I definitely will, will do a whole focus on Kamala Harris, her chart, her progressions, and different things. So I'm not yet ready to do all of that. I want to spend one podcast just on her. Again, not because she's a perfect individual. Nobody is. But she's now Vice President of the United States. And whether we're right, left, middle, whatever it is, we need to look at the potentiality that America will finally join some of these other countries that have had women presidents and women prime ministers. 
So we're late to the game, and part of the reason is that is the moon in the U.S. chart uh, is at near the bottom of that chart. It's not at the top like Saturn is, or Neptune is, uh, or even the Sun and and Jupiter and Venus, which are in the seventh house of relationship and uh, or eighth house area, and Mars and Uranus, which are in the seventh house. So we've got a lot of visible planets a lot of elevated planets in the United States birth chart, but we don't have the moon there, which is also with Pallas Athena, which is in house number three. And it's not that the third house completely gets unrecognized, but since women never had the right to vote, we just had the 100th anniversary. It took us all that time. And now finally we have a woman who could become easily if things go right. I shouldn't say the word easily, but she's in the right position to run for president on her own or if joe biden because of his age decides or the stress is too much or health issues or whatever it is she's there and so she's being prepared and even if she weren't going to become the next president if something happens she doesn't run four years from now joe biden even at 82 decides he, he he's still healthy enough to run who knows it just it seems to me that since we never had a person of this age, it's doubtful, just from a logical standpoint, that in 2024, and remember, I've shared before, we're going to have three Pluto returns, 247 years after the Declaration of Independence, we're going to have in 2022, Pluto comes back, all the Pluto archetype, archetypes, the underworld, death and rebirth, transformation, metamorphosis, repression, phobias, extremes, and that's why we're seeing so much of the, what's come out now with this right-wing movement and this split between left and right um, in our country, a new potential civil war. As I shared the last time, Neptune is going to come back to where it was from 1861. Neptune has a 164-year cycle. This year, Neptune in Pisces is opposing its own position in Virgo at the top of America's birth chart. And Neptune, very shortly in the next couple of months, as the Biden-Harris administration goes through this, and undoubtedly there are going to be mistakes like every administration and the rollout of the vaccines, now it's on Biden and Harris. Before you know it, I mean, there is a honeymoon period usually between the press and the country. So unless something like with JFK when there was the Bay of Pigs invasion, now he came into power in January of, of 1961. The Bay of Pigs was in April. So at the end of his honeymoon period, suddenly something that had put, been put into operation by the CIA and then JFK wasn't totally in with it, just like Harry Truman didn't know anything about the Manhattan Project um, because in those days that was something that the president, Roosevelt, uh, he had had different vice presidents. So Harry Truman was just like pretty much there in case the president died and that's what did happen. And suddenly it wasn't just that Harry Truman as a senator from Missouri who didn't have a whole lot of experience in the federal government, suddenly somebody says, guess what, Harry? <laughs> There's this thing called the Manhattan Project, nuclear bomb, uh, atomic bomb. What? You know, he didn't know any of that, nothing. So we've come such a long way. And that's why it's amazing that we have Kamala Harris as the first woman uh, in the vice presidency, and particularly with her multicultural background on, with her mom from India and her father from Jamaica. That makes all the difference in the world, and it opens the door for a much more balanced feminine, masculine, not so much Democrat, Republican, but we really need to be thinking more about uh, good neighbor policy and, and coming together, just like in yesterday's um, discussions or, or the talk by Joe Biden. He's a good person, 
to help hopefully try or do the work to bring the country together because of his being acquainted with grief, as I shared before. But again, his wife and child dying when he was just elected to the Senate. And he was 29. He was in a Saturn return. Then his, his uh, eldest son, Bo, dying several years ago when he was thinking he might run, died of brain cancer, and so many other things. He's got, and again, as I've shared before, Chiron discovered 1977, in addition to its meanings about the twilight zone, rainbow bridges, shamans, mentors, healing, healing wounds, and so on. Um, it's very much the mythology of Chiron is connected to dealing with grief, wounds, psychological, emotional, pain, th those kind of experiences. And both of their charts, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they both have Chiron elevated. Joe Biden has Chiron conjunct his own north node in Leo which is a higher destiny fate point. And that Chiron North Node conjunction in his chart is exactly on Donald Trump's horizon in late Leo, which is part of the reason. Uh, there were several other reasons that uh, Joe Biden had the edge over Donald Trump. And we know that Donald Trump never wanted to run against Joe Biden. So intuitively, he knew that this could be a lot different than Hillary Clinton. Another thing um, that Joe Biden has in his chart, which is very interesting, is Jupiter in Cancer on the United States Mercury. The U.S. Mercury, which is retrograde, by the way, and I've shared more about that, the Truth About Mercury Retrograde, Podcast 25, to get into the power of Mercury retrograde, that it is not a bad thing. Planets all go retrograde. And as I've shared before, you don't hear people squawking, oh my God, Saturn's retrograde for, for four, five months, which it does do. Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, all the planets beyond uh, Pluto, Chiron, they're all going retrograde for five months out of the year. Jupiter goes retrograde for four months. How often do you hear people saying, oh my God, Jupiter's retrograde for four months. I can't have providence in my life. The power of thinking isn't going to work. It's ridiculous what astrologers have made people think that retrograding planets are all bad. They need to be thought of as inward moving, not like, oh, uh, well, it's moving backwards and backwardsness is bad. We just need to really rethink all of these processes. Is it challenging from a global standpoint, a national standpoint, that a planet like Mercury for three weeks at a time, three weeks, uh, three times a year for three weeks, is not going in the same direction as the sun? And we call that a retrograde motion. Does that mean we have to be a little bit extra focused? and review and reflect and reevaluate what we're saying, what we're doing, how we're communicating, how we're traveling, what we deal with with health, health and business, of course. But we should be doing that anyway all the time, whether Mercury is retrograde or not. The point is when a planet is retrograde, whether it's for three weeks when Mercury does it, or every year and a half Venus does it, um, that's the, the only other area that I ever see in the astrology field. People say, oh, Venus is retrograde. Oh, really? Yeah, because Venus goes retrograde relative to its orbit the least amount of time relative to its its orbit. So every year and a half, Venus will go retrograde. And it's almost exactly six weeks. So we had one of those last June or last spring. It was in Gemini. Uh, Venus went retrograde. Now, is it ideal for people to get married when Venus is retrograde? Probably not. The reason is that Venus is not is, is a principle of harmony. It's a principle of friendship. It's a, it's a principle of love and kindness and so many other things. So if Venus is going in, a, in the opposite direction to the sun and the moon, 
then perhaps to deliberately what's called election astrology the two ancient astrologies are electional not having nothing to do with elections has has to do with choosing potentially good times to harvest or get married or have a baby or go on a trip or whatever it would be to choose auspicious times the moon is trying venus or jupiter and the sun for instance on on january 28th they're coming together for their annual conjunction well that could be an opportunity for enlightenment and higher mind and um, studying philosophy and thinking good thoughts and creating goodwill and being kinder to other people and so on and there's horror astrology or the astrology of the hour which which is more connected to um, people wondering what's happening because uh, they have a question in their lives and they want to they go to an astrologer and the astrologer can look at the the moment that something happened and sort of take a look at that moment so it's these are some of the ancient forms of astrology any any rate um to get back to sort of where we are here so i completely lose my train of thought the january 6th event was so horrific partly because and in many ways because mars happened to trigger at 30 degrees of aries what happened in the previous mars uranus conjunction from february 12 uh, 12th of 2019 so that whole gathering became violent mars can light a fuse and do and do that and because president trump became involved with his son in the united states mars and his mars rising and this is part of the danger of having people in government who do, don't know anything about astrology they don't know anything about these cycles we desperately need this uh, under reagan nancy reagan hired astrologers including joan quigley i gave a talk in washington dc at one point either before me or after me i was doing mine about mysteries of venus the the book i wrote um which uh, astrology in five those five minute podcasts are on the app astrology cosmic calendar i've done 23 of them and i'm reading from mysteries of venus about the esoteric significance and the spiritual significance of venus beyond what we normally know so that's another way to sort of tune in to some of the work that i'm doing but i gave a talk about venus and its power and either joan quigley who was the 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 main astrologer that Nancy Reagan hired to help uh, Ronald Reagan. And that became a whole scandal in 1980, 1987, 1988. I think it was 1988, Time Magazine covered it and so on. Don Regan, who had been chief of staff, I mean, lowered the, 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 the boom on Nancy Reagan because there was this rivalry. Uh, and he couldn't stand the fact that Nancy Reagan was using astrology. But look, he had almost died from being uh, nearly assassinated by John Hinckley, March 30th of 1981. She was already into astrology with other astrologers. Over the course of time, what we didn't know is during the entire Reagan administration, she was talking, whether it was to Joan Quigley or whatever, and Joan Quigley then wrote a book about this whole thing. So, but my, I, I bring up some of the things that have happened in my past because, again, the magazine that I will be reading from shortly, from 30 years ago, went to the White House during the Clinton-Gore administration. I feel fortunate for all the astrologers who were part of this and the ability for that uh, magazine. And that's why I believe we need a, a Bureau of Astrological Research and, and um, Revelation. We, I, I also believe, um, which I've shared before, I would like to see an ad hoc organization of maybe 24 famous Americans or well-known Americans from all different fields balance between men and women and that, that could change every couple of years just like we'd send different people to congress and when people are running running for office hopefully voluntarily 
they they share their ideas and who they are and their background and they get advice and suggestion like advice and consent from this group so that we don't have people who might be malignant narcissists or have um, some kind of potential psychiatric or, or um, mental illness or they have some kind of obsession or whatever it may be. Now again, that might seem like, well, Mark, that's ridiculous. We're in the United States of America. We can't have that kind of control. But certainly within the Pentagon, within the State Department, within the United States government, and who knows, there may be some work going on that we don't know about, just like with UFOs, with President Kennedy being murdered. There's so much that we're not told that I do understand that. So when people talk about conspiracies or a deep state or like our government is lying to us, I understand that. And I have read so much about um, how we've overthrown different governments through the CIA, whether it would be Chile, um, Iran, um, so many other places where we get involved because we're so afraid of communists, the whole domino theory of what happened in Southeast Asia, um, of, of involvement by the CIA, or, or how we got involved with the Vietnam War and the Gulf of Tonkin uh, resolution, and using different events, what we call these false flag events. Uh, same thing with the Spanish-American War, and uh, remember the main and um, how we use different things through yellow journalism uh, back in the 1890s during that war, getting everybody riled up to do different things. And this is not recent. This goes back, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years. Of This is how, how Hitler began World War II, to dress up uh, a bunch of German soldiers in Polish uniform, uniforms and make believe uh, people from Poland, military people from Poland, had killed German troops. And this was go. This was a ruse that was pre-planned. September one, nineteen thirty-nine, in the morning, and he used that particular thing. Well, if somebody has um, with Goebbels and so on, if you have um, a, a means of communication to perpetuate in any country at any time the big lie, and to use visuals in particular, video and so on. Again, during again, there wasn't any TV back in the nineteen twenties and thirties and early forties. But if there had been, it could have been a completely different story. Um, and Nazi Germany, or I mean, we're not going to get into the whole thing. But at some point, when I do that other one about timeline to war, it goes back to the uh, crowning of Charlemagne in the year 800. And that, when I do talk about timeline to war, that does connect up to Adolf Hitler and his chart and what happened hundreds of years before in Europe. Now, we, we, if we don't learn from the past, as Santa Ana said, we will be condemned to repeat it. And so that's part of the reason I'm doing these sharings. So I'm going back to things like, hey, we have to be vigilant all the time here under this new administration. Yesterday was a wonderful day, I think, from the standpoint of what was produced, um, what was spoken, the visuals, not having a parade, but having uh, an extraordinary kind of musical celebration that they had different people coming together. You know, I am not a Garth Brooks fan, but he was he was terrific. And then I hear, oh, conservatives who love Garth Brooks are angry that he he uh, sang Amazing Grace. I think it was Amazing Grace. Um, yeah, he did Amazing Grace um, at the inauguration. And then different people like Jennifer Lopez and the wonderful uh, black woman who's 22, uh, the youth poet, uh, poet laureate of the United States. And uh, Lady Gaga, some of these people, I'm not, I don't know them. I don't follow Jennifer Lopez. I don't follow Lady Gaga, but it was a very beautiful kind of a thing. And 
The other thing, by the way, that the, the reason I'm bringing this up is when things are organized, when you have something that's, that's well organized, and hopefully it's also part of goodwill, in what we'll see in esoteric astrology in the seven rays, that relates to Uranus, it relates to the Aquarian age that we're moving in. And not to preempt what I'm about to say, but Mars is considered, along with Neptune, the co-ruling planets of the Pisces, of, of, shall we say, the Piscean age. And we know Pisces is fundamentally a, a water sign, the two fish. Aquarius is more related to electrical waters of the mind and of, of consciousness. Now, this actually has to do with these 2,160-year cycles, and I will share more about that from what I wrote. Again, if you go to the folder at Great Bear Enterprises and you go into folder 73, you'll see the various charts we're going to talk about in a moment, and it's going to happen very shortly here. And then um, the storyline... So the important thing is we've just had Mars and Uranus come together and the moon just hit Mars and Uranus. We did have the void moon. Very much this chart um, for the inauguration is similar to March 4th of 1865, Lincoln's sex, second inaugural address. And that brought up the fact that the Civil War was still happening for another five weeks. Then it, uh, it was resolved, at least on April 9th of 1865, Lee surrendering to Grant. And then five days later, the President Lincoln is assassinated by John Wilkes Booth, Booth in that conspiracy. But the, the inaugural address in March 4th, 1865, there was a first quarter moon. There was, uh, the sun was with Chiron in the middle of Pisces because that was the old date of inauguration. And that sun conjunct Chiron at 14 Pisces when Lincoln gave his address, second inaugural address, that's where the United States now secondary progress sun, Pallas Athena, and Sedna are all in the middle of that Pisces. So I'm going to say, is history repeating itself? Are we learning the lessons from the Civil War time as we feel like our nation is on the verge of another Civil War? And we know in a couple of years, Neptune will come back to where it exactly was in 1861 when the states seceded from the South and we had Fort Sumter on April 12th of 1861. We're going to have a Neptunian repeat because Neptune has that cycle. That's a couple of years from now. But it's not as soon as, as now, Neptune opposing our own Neptune this year a couple of times from uh, Pisces to Virgo and Neptune squaring our Mars. Th this is during the, the aftermath of what we did not accomplish during this 2020 when our national government under Trump and Pence did a miserable, terrible job of doing everything. Basically because just like Woodrow Wilson in, in 1918, this president, didn't want to, was calling it a hoax, it's not so bad, we have the greatest economy, it's the China virus, every single thing that has made so many people not accept it, not wearing masks. How is it possible that Joe Biden in his first executive ruling would say, I'm mandating that on all federal prop properties you need to wear masks, social distance, six feet apart and all this stuff. How is it possible? That, that, that after everything that happened, what we see in the world, what we've seen in the United States, yesterday, this is the astounding thing, as beautiful as the ceremonies were, so this morning, how many people died of COVID in our hospitals? 4,131. And a lot of people will say, oh, that's bogus. The, the, the statistics are wrong. It's coming from Johns Hopkins. And it may be a low number. There are a lot of th people that are dying, and we don't even know that they're dying. They die at home. They're dying homeless. Uh, we don't have the statistics, so it's always like this is a lower number. This is what we do know, not 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 overestimating. They're not just saying, oh, you know, like the number is 3,500. Let's report 4,131. 
So unless we want to say, yeah, Johns Hopkins, you know, with, with all of their medical research and um, rigor and so on, yeah, they're all lying. They're just the deep state. See, the problem we have is that if one goes into that mode of like the government is wrong, um, Democrats are doing despicable things, they're the bad guys, like somehow only when Bill Clinton is and Al Gore president, then d bad things are happening. Roosevelt and, and, and then Harry Truman, that's a bad administration. Only Eisenhower and Nixon is good. Only Reagan and Bush are good. Only Bush and Cheney are good. It's ridiculous. There are problems in democratic administrations due to making mistakes. We see it all the time under JFK. There were all kinds of mistakes that were made uh, and difficulties. Same thing under Bill Clinton, same thing under Barack Obama and, and Joe Biden. But you have an equal number and sometimes more under Eisenhower and Nixon, under Reagan and Bush, under Bush and Cheney, under Donald Trump the last four years. Now, again, it all depends on what we look, how we look at these things. But we know we had a whole thing under Richard Nixon of cover-ups and so on that was worse than the original crime because he covered it up. He was never impeached. The, the committee voted to bring articles of impeachment to the House. That's when Barry Goldwater and a couple of the senators went to Richard Nixon and said, you got to leave. For the sake of the party, you have got to resign. And he resigned. Because the difference between Donald Trump and Richard Nixon is that Richard Nixon was a Republican and he had always been a Republican and a conservative type person with law and order. Donald Trump played the role of that, just like with the reality TV show of The Apprentice and The Celebrity Apprentice. This was all part of an act. Now, did Donald Trump move more into conservative views, which he had always actually had many of those racist views that he had had um, in his real estate uh, business with his father? The father did march down, was part of a Ku, Ku Klux Klan rally in, I think it was the 1920s, as a young, when the father was a young person, down Queens Boulevard in in the borough of Queens, where I was born, Donald Trump. I was born in the area of Kew Gardens, Forest Hills. Hop, skip, and a jump from Jackson Heights, Flushing, where uh, Donald Trump was born four years earlier. Part of the reason I, I, I feel fortunate that, I've been, that we have Donald Trump and an exact birth chart based on his birth information, we didn't have that with Hillary Clinton. And even Joe Biden's birth time, 8.30 in the morning, is not, we don't, we don't know that, we don't have an, what we call an AA absolutely sterling um, birth certificate. We do have it with Kamala Harris. We do have it with Barack Obama. We don't have it 100% with Joe Biden. There were always questions about Bill Clinton's birth time. There were two different times floating around. With Ronald Reagan, there's dozens of birth times. We still don't know exactly when Ronald Reagan was born. So it's hard to then figure out everything that then happened with the say Ronald Reagan, with John Hinckley, Jody Foster, what happened on March 30th in 1981. So what we do is, what do we know? There's an exact time when John Hinckley fired those shots that almost killed Ronald Reagan. There's an exact time. So astrologers like myself, and I have done that research recently, and looked up John Hinckley's birth chart for as much as we know, day, month, and year. Jody Foster's birth chart, day, month, and year. We do know when Ronald Reagan took the oath of office. We know that. I will bring this all out later because that was before Welcome to Planet Earth ever began. We know the night when when uh, Ronald Reagan became governor of California for the first time. 
and defeated Pat Brown, and we know the astrological significance, at least I do, which then is why Ronald Reagan became president twice, overwhelmingly, as a Republican conservative. Now, I do not support his views, but I can look at the astrology and say, aha, and part of it is because he was, as I shared once before, a couple of podcasts ago, Ronald Reagan had Jupiter in Scorpio, right where Joe Biden has Mars in Scorpio. And when Joe Biden had, when the election happened November 3rd, the sun was passing over Joe Biden's Mars in Scorpio, a sign that Mars has, has ruled along with Aries. And unfortunately, again, astrologers say, oh, Pluto rules Scorpio. And as I've shared before, no, it doesn't. I don't know how many times I can say that. Pluto does not rule Scorpio on a day-to-day -day level. On a day-to-day -day level, if you are Scorpio rising, if you have the sun in Scorpio, you use Mars as your ruling planet. Pluto hardly moves. Is it affiliated with Scorpio? Yes, it is. It doesn't rule it on a day-to-day -day practical level because Mars has a two-year cycle. I guarantee you, if you would think about some of these things and work, read, Dane Rudyard, Dr. Mark Edmund Jones, Eleanor Bach, Alan Leo, Charles Carter, some of these great astrologers. Again, the School of Planetary Studies that my daughter has made now into MP3 files. A great place to learn astrology, get into these classes. There's an incredible price at this point. It's not just Mark Lerner. I started those back in 1985 with a small group of people on cassette tape. Then they became CDs. Now they're available to learn astrology and to get the knowledge and wisdom and how astrology works from these great astrologers that I learned from and I can pass along their teachings. So one of my pet peeves is like this, this thing about astrologers, Mercury's bad, it's retrograde. You know, all these cautionary things you have to do. You need to be as cautious, like right, here's a good example about the Mercury retrograde. Sorry to do all this before I get into these other charts, but I will shift shortly because I want you to know more about uh, the new moon before birth chart for America and the discovery of Uranus, how that all fits in. And then we'll we'll read that I will read that story about the seven rays and the Mideast crisis and esoteric astrology from Scorpio 1990. Um, the situation though is that um, well I lost my train of thought here. That was about to talk, talk about and maybe it'll come back to me having to do with um, all these issues about Mercury retrograde and how to use them well in these these particular cycles. So sorry for that, you know, mental freeze there for a moment. There's just so much going on. I have in front of me all of this paperwork of things that I definitely want to bring to everybody's attention. But nevertheless, the bottom line in all of this is that we have an extraordinary opportunity to sort of get the ball rolling as a country here. And there is a positive way to look at Mars and Uranus that is different than uh, Mars and Uranus together yesterday, that they have to be negative. There is a danger with an administration starting with the void moon, with Mars and Uranus together, with all the con uh, conflict that we have in our country. So I'm realistic to, um, a realist enough to know that we need to be sort of looking very carefully in, in the days, weeks, and months ahead because there'll be a lot of danger points. One of the ones, again, back to the April 19th ideas, I think in Massachusetts it's called Patriots Day, but it has it goes back to uh, the Battle of Lexington and Concord of that date in 1775. And it's a powerful date, and so it's being used and because of Waco and then the Oklahoma City bombing. There's, uh, I believe, 
um, the marathon bombing in, in Boston was, uh, may have been right at that point. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was, but um, that's just from memory at the moment. But I know FBI, um, Homeland Security, all these organizations, they're going to be looking at that date every year. I mean, they'll never stop looking at that date because that's a date. Uh, but now because they do the, these different groups to, to, um, to try and use those dates, it's now a little bit foolish for those groups because the FBI, Homeland Security, ATF, and so on, they're out really focused to make sure that things don't happen around those times. But it, how thorough can you be is really the big question. You know, how many people do you have in the administration that's able to, to look at all that? So um, I'm going to look here for a second myself and see, um, try not to see how much time has gone by here. Okay, an hour and 43 minutes. So I like to be able to look at all this and, and understand, you know, uh, I know these tend to go on a long time, but let me jump in and start giving, uh, hopefully my train of thought will come back of what I was about to say, and I'm sorry that I lost my train of thought there. There's so much going on. If you saw my desk here, um, you would understand. Before we get into those specific charts, um, there is a chart that I looked at, which is interesting. I hadn't thought of Jill Biden. Jill Biden, um, her chart, June 3rd, 1951, uh, there's nine years of difference, eight and a half, nine years difference between uh, Joe Biden and Jill Biden uh, and their charts. I just wanted to mention that I have her information. I don't have her exact time. I know she was born in New Jersey. But I wanted you to, uh, to mention that her chart is very connected to the United States birth chart. So very interesting for her as a support as First Lady. Uh, sun and Gemini and Moon. Looks like she's born right at the end of the, in the balsamic sun, moves, sun Moon phase. Interestingly, she has Sun with Mars uh, in Gemini. And so not far from the, the Uranus position, uh, which again, Joe Biden has Saturn because I've shared before Joe Biden has sat, uh, he's born November 20th, uh, 1942. By the way, he's born the same day as Robert Kennedy. And I, I had always remembered that. And I thought, wait, wait a minute. Uh, is it the right day? Yeah. Robert Kennedy was born November 20th, 1925. So when Joe Biden was born on no November 20th, 1942, that was the same day Robert Kennedy turned 17. And one of the things I hope that will come out is trying to understand how um, Joe Biden was affected um, by having turned 21 uh, two days before John F. Kennedy was murdered. So we got a president now. We, we talk about grief because when he became a senator, um, he was having a Saturday return. His wife and his daughter died in a horrific car crash. He had to raise his kids by himself, then eventually met Joe Biden. So um, it's just interesting that he's born very close to the first nuclear chain reaction, Joe Biden, which was December 2nd, 1942. So I like the fact, at least fingers crossed, that it, the new, per, new president having his finger on the nuclear button or having the nuclear codes is much more connected to the birth of um, this amazing research that I've done. Again, if you go into Earth Aquarius News, on, our, on the Great Bear website, that's our news section. You'll see a story uh, that my daughter's put together about astrology uh, and atomic and nuclear energy. Take a look at that. There's a whole lot in there that will help you. And just know that Joe Biden was born very close to that point. But now, think about Robert Kennedy. He, 
Joe Biden, as a Democrat and from New England, was undoubtedly devastated when JFK was murdered two days after he turned 21, after Joe Biden turned 21. Then five years later, during, uh, and I know, you know, we hear this from Joe Biden periodically, um, the, the, the murder of um, Martin Luther King, again, we just celebrated his birthday, um, National Day, uh, that on April 4th of 1968, Martin Luther King was murdered, and it was Robert Kennedy, I believe in Indianapolis, who was running in that primary, because again, that was when I was at Michigan State, and I was uh, actually go working relative to Eugene McCarthy in Indiana at that point. Uh, I left school for uh, a weekend in order to um, support Eugene McCarthy, and that's when uh, Martin Luther King was murdered, and Robert Kennedy shared that with the country uh, when he was at a rally, and then it was only two months later, and it seems like, is that possible? two months and a few days later that Robert Kennedy was murdered in, in Los Angeles, in California, the Ambassador Hotel. So uh, Joe Biden, aside from his own experiences with grief, the power of Chiron in his own, own chart, when he turned 21, President Kennedy was murdered. And then when he was uh, 25 and a half, then Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King died in that horrific year of 1968. So on a national level, these are the things that led Joe Biden to decide that he was going to enter politics. And then he had his own tragedies with his wife and his daughter dying in a terrible car crash. So one, uh, before we get into the charts and before I go on uh, with reading that storyline, Jill, Jill Biden, at some point, I'll share more, more about her chart. Uh, Vesta in her chart, safety, security, uh, sisterhood, 26 plus of Aquarius, exactly the United States moon, Pallas Athena. Uh, Venus, 26 plus of, of Cancer in uh, Jill Biden's chart. That's the United States Mercury. That's Joe Biden's Jupiter. Her Saturn's in Aquarius, um, right at the top of America's birth chart, not far from Neptune. And now the, the, the planet I've been talking about, Chaos, which has about a 306 or 309 year cycle, which is a conjunct Neptune and America's birth chart. I shared that the last time and gave out that US chart with all those asteroids. So Jill Biden Saturn is up there at the Midhaven America's chart. Her North Node, Fate Point, 14 plus Pisces. That's the US secondary progressed Sun, Pallas Athena and Sedna. Just so many amazing positions around her chart. So that's something that's very significant. Um, we'll get more into that. Another thing, these are just pieces of paper. Yesterday, Michael Beschloss, uh, who's often on uh, NBC talking to Brian Williams, they had an amazing conversation that I didn't know. I've been to Arlington National Cemetery where the eternal flame for uh, that ja Jackie Kennedy created for uh, when, when President Kennedy was murdered at Arlington National Cemetery. What I didn't know, and which the presidential historian reported yesterday during that beautiful ceremony. I was looking forward to seeing that because I had been there twice and I have been to the Eternal Flame um, where JFK is buried. And of course, all of these soldiers and people, uh, thousands of soldiers and people in, in the different armed forces of the, of the United States buried at Arlington National Cemetery. And to see the three former presidents there with their wives and then Joe Biden show up with Jill Biden at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That was around two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. It was pretty close to the time that Mars and Uranus were making that con conjunction. Might've been a little later, but it was it, after the, the void moon was over 
and the moon shifted from 30 degrees of Aries. Again, you got, you got to think about how this worked. Two weeks earlier on January 6th, Mars was at 30 of Aries. Then the moon was there at void moon during the inauguration, reconnecting to the Mars from two weeks before. But the moon is a different body. And uh, Kamala Harris, who's born with the moon in late Aries, had just had her monthly lunar return by transit before she even took the oath. And then Joe Biden, right after um, right after the oath, and approximately, I think, the time, very close to the time he was at the Unknown Soldier ceremony, which was very peaceful and very beautiful and very poignant. And then that's when his, his own moon was coming back. Joe Biden's moon is in early Taurus, okay? And assuming his chart is reasonably accurate for 8.30 in the morning, uh, I think it is probably reasonably accurate. I'm not saying it's exact to the minute. But at any rate, I didn't know that um, Arlington National Cemetery had been Robert E. Lee's estate. And during the Civil War, what he reported was that in 1864, while the war was still happening, that area of Robert E. Lee's estate, which was in Arlington, Virginia, the, they started burying Union soldiers there. So basically, regardless of whatever was going to happen, they wanted to, I guess, going against Robert E. Lee, who had been um, at you know somebody that when the war started nobody knew a hundred percent whether Robert E. Lee would be a part of the Union forces or not. He chose to be part of the secessionist forces of the con Confederacy. But he had been at West Point, so this was a very big thing about Robert E. Lee and um, how he um, connected. Again, he was a slave owner and so many other things. But at any rate, <clears throat> I didn't know the history of Arlington National Cemetery in that point. I had never studied it. It was very interesting. I'm just going to get a sip of water here. It was very interesting to hear um, his the background and also that John F. Kennedy had men mentioned to his wife Jackie about how beautiful um, when he whenever he went to Arlington National Cemetery that he made some kind of comment to his wife Jackie Kane saying, I could be here forever. I just love it. So when he did die, she remembered what he said. This is what Michael Beshlov reported. And also that Robert Kennedy and Ted Kennedy, they're all there, the three brothers. And I was thinking how in many ways, when in mythology, the three brothers in mythology come out in Roman uh, Greek mythology, Jupiter, king of the gods, god of the heavens, Neptune, the god of the oceans, and Pluto, the god of the underworld. They were three brothers in mythology. When I think of uh, JFK, Robert Kennedy, and Ted Kennedy, JFK with his eloquence um, and uh, profiles and courage and his communications and his ideas, very much the Jupiter of the three brothers, Ted Kennedy, the sun in Pisces, uh, from his passion and, uh, and his feelings and emotions. If you remember when Robert Kennedy died um, in 1968 and the eulogy that Ted Kennedy gave at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which is just a heartbreaking kind of moment. Um, and I just remember that so much. Um, regardless of the checkered career of Ted Kennedy, nevertheless, considered the lion of the Senate, I think 50 years. So Ted Kennedy very much connected to Neptune as one of the three brothers. And that leaves Robert Kennedy, who is a sun sign Scorpio, is more connected to the underworld, the Pluto energies. Robert Kennedy um, having worked at w one point, I mean, the whole thing against Jimmy Hoffa and being a prosecutor. So Robert Kennedy was considered more the, even though he was um, how many years younger than, eight years younger than 
John F. Kennedy, about eight years younger. Within his own family, within the family structure, he was just not considered like the elder brother, Joseph, who died at uh, Saturn return, flying a mission against the Nazis and his plane exploded, leading to JFK being pushed into running for president, Robert Kennedy becoming the attorney general at that point. And as I've shared before, I will share again about the Cuban Missile Crisis, that it turns out that Robert Kennedy, of the three brothers, the, the one I least admired, wound up being the key person to save America at the end of the 13 days of the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's an extraordinary story that I would like to share more about, focused on Robert Kennedy's chart. So I find it interesting that I was thinking of doing more about Robert Kennedy a couple of years ago, like two years ago. Um, I was planning to do a whole thing on the Cuban Missile Crisis and the importance of Robert Kennedy. Born November 20th, 1925, and lo and behold, suddenly Joe Biden becomes president, born November 20th, the same date in 1942. So these astrology energies are really fascinating how it works out. So what, what we should do here in order for me to get all this going, once more, these, the, I'm going to forestall this typed information, which I hopefully will do in the next podcast of what I wrote on January 10th in the afternoon, which I called the astrology of the new American disaster of, of the events of January 6th. In that thing where I keep talking about catastrophe, disaster, um, I typed up all of this stuff. Now, some of the things I have shared, like the BARR, the Bureau of Astrological Research and Revelation, but there's all this stuff about pardons, impeachments, um, the cosmic, other things on the cosmic calendar, um, all kinds of things about void moons. Um, the other thing about Joe Biden being Catholic and only the second Catholic. Uh, JFK was the only other Catholic. I want to get into that. Um, there's more stuff about Mars, uh, the Neptune squaring our Mars, the Neptune opposite our Neptune, the Pluto returns, and also the total solar eclipse of April 8th of 2024. The U.S. progressed new moon in Pisces, our national chart, in March of 2024. So there are all these events coming down the pike in the next couple years from mundane astrology affecting the United States. So this will be a separate thing along with the Kamala Harris one, that might actually be each one. So I'm not going to forget about it, but what I need to do now because of the events of yesterday is I want to give you a quick example of, of what is going on with these other charts and how it's affecting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris before I read you the article. So I'm only going to spend a short period of time, but these charts are going to be in the folder for uh, podcast 73. So one by one, I'll just make a couple of comments and that way we can start finishing up this podcast. The new moon before birth America chart, June 15, 1776. The work of Dane Rudyard in the lunation cycle, which he wrote in the 40s, he came up with this idea. And as far as I know, he's the, the only person who, who came up with the idea. And I've, I've Every time I do consultations for anybody, so if you order a consultation from our astrology shop, you decide there's five different ones you can order, I will always look at where was the new moon before you were born? Why am I looking at that? Because what Dane Rudger had figured out, particularly like as an example, Alice A. Bailey, who had done 30 years work with the Tibetan Master DK with all of this esoteric astrology and uh, the seven rays and all of that, when Alice Bailey uh, was born, the new moon before her birth 
birth was conjunct her Venus. So if the new moon before your birth is on a planet, and most people don't have that, then that planet or that asteroid becomes what Rudyard would call a channel of destiny. So I knew, I don't have that in my own chart, for instance. So, but in a lot of clients, I'll look at their charts and I'll think, oh, wow, this is really interesting. This client has sun in this sign and moon here. And I look at all the natal charts, I'm looking at the transits, what the houses are, what are the main alignments. But one of the things I always do, and, you, and I do this by going into the ephemeris, the actual book of planetary alignments, like what's called the American ephemeris for the 20th century or the 21st century. So I go back, where was the new moon before that person was born? If, if that new moon is on a planet, an asteroid, Chiron, or whatever it is, and it's very close, then the new moon is activating that archetype or series of archetypes, and the person who's born at that time will then express those energies for good or ill into the world. So I, Alice Bailey, who I often give quotations from um, Lucis Trust and Lucis Publishing in the Cosmic Chat, which is on the Astrology Cosmic Calendar, a lot of the quotations will come from Esoteric Astrology or Disciple in the New Age or wherever it is from all these 24 or 25 volumes of books. And I'm looking for astrology references or zodiacal references. So you'll see often quoting from Alice A. Bailey, a particular book, and so on and so forth. She, When she was born, um, the sun, the new moon before her birth was on her Venus. So she becomes a channel of destiny for Venusian principles. And Venus on a higher level can be very remarkable. So... I decided to check out, which I had never done, the new moon before birth for America. And part of the reason was there were so many, over the course of history, in 200 plus years, astrologers have tried to figure out when exactly was the Declaration of Independence, what was the absolute birth of America, is that the actual chart? Like there's a chart for the Constitution, as I shared before, September 17, 1787, with the convention that, that brought about the Constitution. But guess what? The Constitution had to be ratified by nine of the 13 states. The, 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 nine, the ninth state, New Hampshire, didn't do it until June 21, 1788. That day, and that I still haven't, I, I've done the chart for it, but I haven't had the time to actually bring that to everybody's attention. That's a significant chart. The wheels of government were supposed to begin March 4th, 1789, but there wasn't a quorum. So they actually, even though that date is considered like an archetypal date, and then after uh, after George Washington took the oath on April 30th, 1789, because he had to travel there, Washington, D.C. didn't exist. That was happening in New York. Then the second time Washington took the oath of office, it was March 4th, which was the day that was orchestrated for Congress to have begun in 1789. And then all the presidents, every four years thereafter, were inaugurated March 4th. That was the traditional day, by tradition. And then, and then what happened was they changed the date through the Constitution to January 20th because of lame duck Congress and so on. And that began in 1937. That's why we're using January 20th. But it always used to be March 4th, except in 1789 when we have the uh, April 30th date. So at any rate, the reason why the new moon before birth is important is it's an exact time. We can calculate the exact moment of the new moon before birth, and that's what I did, and that's the chart you're looking at. If you go in the folder, and you'll see in that chart. So, so this is the solar lunar energy that gives birth in the 29-day cycle of the sun being in Cancer and then the moon being in Aquarius when America 
takes its first first breath at the Declaration of Independence. So now I'm going back. What was the cycle of the sun and moon? What was the birthing cycle of the solar and the lunar energies? What can that tell us? So that I'm not going to analyze that chart. But I am going to tell you that the sun and moon are in Gemini at 25 degrees, 25 plus. And you're going to see in a few moments how astounding that is. But the point is, is that Kamala Harris in her individual birth chart has that as her rising sign and where her nodes of the moon are. She is not only born at a full moon, and we're going to get into this more in the future when I focus completely on her, but she, because we know her birth time. So her birth shows that area, 24, 25 Gemini rising, 24, 25 Sagittarius setting. But not only is she born just minutes before a full moon, but the orbit of the moon, the lunar nodes, what we call the lunar nodes, which have been used for hundreds of years, fate and destiny, they're rising and setting. She is extremely, extremely, extremely lunar. But the question is, lunarity can be illuminating. We've always associated with the feminine principle, whereas the sun has been the masculine principle. So as the first woman coming into a position of power, we find that she's born even closer than Donald Trump, who was born at a full moon that happened to be a total lunar eclipse. And as I've shared many times before, the hazard with Donald Trump is that his moon was eclipsed, or he was born on the day of an eclipsed moon. So during a total lunar eclipse, the Earth is coming in between the sun and the moon, and for a period of time, it actually happened a couple hours after Donald Trump was born, and affected a large portion of the world, but not in America. In another part of the world, there was total lunar eclipse. So what that meant was that the Earth was blocking the moon. The moon is very important. The first thing that I ever got into in astrology was to learn and to understand that, that astrology really worked was that I started looking at the moon positions of all my loved ones. And it was like, oh my God, wow, this makes total sense. You know, my dad being a sun sign Aries, okay, I would read about that. And then I learned his moon is in Capricorn, wow. His moon and my dad and my mom's sun, they're in a conjunction. That makes a whole lot of sense. Or my mom is born as a sun in Capricorn. My, my mom's moon is in Taurus. And I happen to be in a relationship at that time with a woman who is a sun sign Taurus. And then I do her chart and she's a Taurus and she has a Pisces moon and I'm a sun sign Pisces. And I started looking at all the moon positions of my friends, of my loved ones, of famous people and so on. And I realized, wow, um, the moon is very significant, and it is in terms we, as I've shared before, and this is a truism in 47 years, you are more your moon than you are your sun. It's just that you've never learned it that way. When you're born, you can't take care of yourself. You need a mother, you need a, a grandmother, you need a nurturing figure. If there isn't, you need a male figure, the father, whatever it is. You, you can't just go out and do things. The sun sign is something that you hope because you're born in a 30-day time period with, with everybody else who have, you share that sun sign. The sun is, yeah, it's character. It represents higher selfhood. It's more of the now. It's more in any given moment, okay, this is your solar life force. And I'm not disparaging the sun. It's enormous in size. It's the only light-giving body. It's incredible, and it's incredible important. But when we say, oh, yeah, I'm a this, I'm a that, we miss, you know, like to say I'm a Taurus or I'm a Pisces or I'm a Gemini. That gives you an, uh, uh, an energy field of, a, of an element, of a quality that you share in common with millions of souls born in that 30-day time period of that year and millions more souls. It's a group 
kind of identity of a sun sign, a kind of way of approaching life that is part of your selfhood, it's part of your character and so on. But on a deeper level, the moon, which has a two to two and a half day cycle, if you think it through, in the 30 day cycle you were born in, when you're a son in whatever sign and you're part of that greater group and you, you associate yourself being a Gemini or a Scorpio or a Pisces or whatever you are, within that group, there's a greater individualization because the moon, the closest body to us, goes through a sign every two to two and a half days. So a more personal part of who you are within being your sun sign is the lunar energy that you identify with, that you have less in common with the entire group, and you only have in common on that two to two and a half day cycle. And because the moon is more of the feminine principle to the sun, and because of tradition of everything that the moon mythologically relates to, and what, what it rules in the chart, like ruling the, ruling the sign of cancer, the fourth sign of the zodiac, ruling the fourth house of a chart, having to do with home and foundations and roots, being connected more to the feminine, therefore to mothers and nurturing and so on, the moon is much more of your personality, your feelings, your moods, your subconscious, your instincts, even going back to reincarnation of who you've been before or your dreams, your memories. There's so much that the moon rules by sign and by aspect and by, the, you know, by whatever phase of the moon you're born in. And then even more individualized than the moon is your rising sign, which changes depending on what longitude and latitude you're at on the planet around every two hours or every hour and a half or every three hours, depending on which signs are on the horizon. So sun, you share that with 30, a group of millions of souls born in 30 day time period, then a smaller section of that group, that's your moon sign and the moon being feminine and so many other things, it's much more personal of your personality expression. As people would say in astrology, Here's your character, here's your personality. Character is more related to sun and how well you utilize the sun sign. And then the rising sign, which keeps changes, keeps changing every couple of hours, is another level of how you look at life and how life looks at you. And it's another sign and relates more to the future and your path in life and your horizon and so on. Um, so these are the this is the trinity or the trio of any birth chart. And I like to share more because. I think all of you need to study astrology more. Progressions are important, secondary progressions, because we have a 27-year progressed lunar cycle, and every two to two and a half years in our progressed or slowly unfolding progressed cycle, um, the moon is going to be in, in a different sign. So you have your natal moon, and then you have a progressed moon, another moon in your chart that's going on always all the time that goes back to your year of birth and so many days and weeks or months after your birth. So the, the progressed moon, but all the progressions, that's why we have Skylog report, we have timeline report, there's a report called Life Progressions. Uh, they're all in the astrology shop. And again, you can see samples so that you can get on, on course and start ordering these. Uh, we still have the sky, by, um, the three for one special, by the way a sky within report and a skylog report, which has transits and secondary progressions, all designed by the great astrologer, Stephen Forrest. And that was put, uh, given to us or not given to us, but it was created through Michael Erlewine and his great work with matrix software and creating all these different reports, plus a numerology report. And it's a credible savings. So it's $89. It's normally 130 some odd dollars. 
and you can get a great natal report in the sky within numerology, very clear, advanced personal numerology that gives you a lot of numbers and patterns of your full name at birth and uh, your current year cycle and next year's year cycle, as well as this greatly written Skylog report, which has essay-like paragraphs, particularly in the first two sections, the invitation of the means. And uh, you, should, you should get into that stuff, again, for the reason I'm saying. So at any rate, new moon before birth. Eventually, of the United States, the key thing that I wanted to bring up is, and we'll, we'll look at this another time, is that the sun and the moon are exactly emphasizing this extraordinary new person on America's scene. I mean, she's been a senator for a few years. She had been district attorney in San Francisco a couple of years. She had then been attorney general in California. And they just did a one-hour special on CNN, Kamala Harris uh, uh, making history. So see if you can tune into that. Regardless of your views on CNN, it's a great documentary. So that's the new moon before birth. Very powerful for any person. Um, if, if you do a consultation with me, I will look at that. I will share more about it, particularly if it's conjunct one of your planets. You would want to know that, and that would change your destiny, and, and it would make a particular planet more of an enlightening force in your chart. Okay, then let me get my list out here. There's a chart that that's very significant, but I'm not going to put it out there. The, the moment on TV, if you saw it yesterday morning, when, when Joe Biden waited until Donald Trump at Joint Air Force Base gave a, a speech that was not very good. Then he went on the plane. On, he actually took Air Force One with Melania and they flew off. And then right when that happened, there was a particular time, it was about 8.45 in the morning to 8.47. It's, it's remarkable that Joe Biden waited. He was watching that. And then he and Jill Biden then left Blair House where they were waiting. Uh, one of the residences uh, for vice president um, in in Washington D.C. and he didn't he didn't um, interfere with with the president leaving with with Donald Trump. He waited cordially and out of courtesy so that the press wouldn't suddenly want to focus. Oh, there's Joe Biden, you know, and he could have easily done that and interfered with the focus on Donald Trump. So he he gave Donald Trump and the TV cameras that were on him full full exposure to see what he had to say before leaving on Air Force One. Then, as soon as they boarded the plane, then he came out. So there's a moment, it's a very interesting chart. I have some, I might bring it up in the future if there's some reason to do that. Presidential power, I've shared this chart before, and again, this is something I will bring up again. I just want to bring it up that there is another chart. In fact, Ralph Kraum, K-R-A-U-M, uh, in uh, the American Federation of Astrologers, which I think it still exists. I mean, I was a part of the National Council of Geocosmic Research, which was more related in New York City. The American Federation of Astrologers, there are different astrology groups in America. Those are two of the primary ones. Um, I believe the AFA, the American Federation of Astrologers, was or is often connected in Arizona. And Ralph Crom was somebody over the years, and he he tried to uh, rectify um, this chart. I I use one. It's one o four and thirty two seconds in the afternoon, New York City. Um, George Washington taking the oath of office, April thirtieth, seventeen eighty nine. So, if I'm thinking of the United States, if I'm thinking of a president in mundane astrology, again, for those people out there who are still Donald Trump supporters who might be listening to this, but if you're not. For mundane or earth astrology, 
with my background of 47 years, magazines, all, all the colleagues I've had and feeling fortunate to be a part of this, when I'm trying to understand who's running for an office, president, senators, speaker of the house, whatever it is, and I'm looking at the charts, why are they achieving this? Or why do they want to become president of the United States? Or why are they striving for this? The, the birth chart of the United States is a big deal. Okay, that's the, the main chart, July, July 4th, 1776. The transits to that chart, as I've been talking about, Pluto coming back three times in 2022. This is going to be one of the biggest challenges. We've already had a plutocracy through Donald Trump and some of the other people in the administration as a prelude to this Pluto cycle coming up in two years. And we don't know what's going to happen. Death, rebirth, trans transformation, metamorphosis, um, all these psychological and, and transpersonal potentials. The country can come out of this um, in the next couple of years, and we might not have a civil war. We might not have uh, so many uh, problems, but right now we're in the middle of things, and it doesn't look great. I mean, we at least have a new administration, and we want to look forward, and we have a sense of hope. And I am hopeful with both of these two individuals in their positions, not because I accept them that they're perfect individuals. We'll have to see how well they do to to deal with a State Department, a Defense Department, the Senate, the House, passing legislation, getting everybody to agree or as many people to agree, not having these disparate elements, people trying to attack the government or state capitals. I mean, to try and get back to some sense of order and organization, which is also part of the seventh ray of Uranus and what we'll get into, whereas Mars connects up to more of the sixth ray and more of a throwback to the Piscean age and the Piscean epic of Christianity and wars and different things, religious wars and crusades and all that. That's sort of something that we're trying to leave as a country and as a planet and move from what we would call the sixth ray related to Mars and on a higher level to Neptune of religion and ideology and fanaticism and idealism and devotion, that whole energy field is shifting into the Aquarian age. And as I shared in a previous um, rereading from one of my magazines from 20 plus years ago, the dawning of the age of Aquarius takes 90 plus years, where I'm sharing like, you don't just turn on a dime and suddenly there's a new age on one particular day. It takes decades, if, that, if not hundreds of years, for a new age to come into being. So we may be, as David Spangler at Findhorn, uh, a great teacher of our age, part of the new troubadours and somebody who gave a lot of guidance to people at Findhorn in Scotland, he once indicated uh, through his guidance, the, the plug to the old age has been pulled out and we're just plugging in the, the energy into the new age. So think of a TV, you know, when you take take a, an old TV out or you take an old computer system out and you're taking all those plugs out, well, then you have to start up the new computer and load in all the software and the virus protection stuff and everything it takes a while. So that's kind of the analogy here to a 2,160-year Piscean age and then starting a new one in Aquarius. There's a, there's a gap. There's a transition, just like we had the transition of government. And it was done very poorly this time between on uh, November 7th, when, when Biden and Harris were declared president-elect and vice president-elect, because this administration, uh, the Trump administration, and his colleagues and cohorts didn't want to accept it, that it was stolen and so on. So the transition was awful, was absolutely awful, and this then creates delays and problems for the new administration. So anyway, presidential power, um, it's an extraordinary target. Well, here's part of the reason I wanted to bring it up. 
when John McCain was running for president, and he was much older, I mean, you may have not realized this, he was born in 1936, 35. He was 25 to 26 years older than Barack Obama. And because of that, and John McCain getting the nomination in the year 2008, um, and let's remember um, what happened was Barack Obama went first in, in the convention. So as a younger man, born in 1961, compared to uh, John McCain, born in the middle of the 1930s, um, he chose an elder person, Joe Biden, who had been senator and so on. So Barack Obama at that point was 47 years old. And Joe Biden, born in 1942, was 19 years older, uh, 18 to 19 years older than than uh, Barack Obama. So Barack Obama went for an elder, somebody who he could look up to, who had a lot of experience in government. What did John McCain do as an alternative? He went for Sarah Palin, who was much younger. And that, again, to put a woman on the ticket, he was looking for flair and something that would give a, a jolt into the Republican Party. And we may not realize this, but during a very brief period of time after Sarah Palin was chosen, uh, John McCain and Sarah Palin were at least from the um, the polls that were taken, had the edge over over um, Barack Obama and Joe Biden. But then all these economic revelations came in about how bad the country was off, was off kilter. And before you knew it, uh, we learned more about Sarah, Sarah Palin. She had not been vetted very well. And then we know the rest is history. But I bring up uh, John McCain because his chart, um, his Saturn, in Pisces is exactly the Saturn in the presidential power chart. When you look at this chart for presidential power over in the seventh house of uh, relationship, you see Saturn there. So think about it again. What was happening with John McCain was, you know, because of being um, in a North Korean prison camp, uh, sorry, North Vietnamese prison camp for five years, um, his involvement with the military, his father and his and his grandfather in, in the Navy. So I, the thing is, is that um, he was a very wounded individual himself, um, which connects up to Chiron and his own birthright. And I'm not looking at that right at the moment, but we know the rivalry between Donald Trump and, and uh, John McCain and Donald Trump saying, well, he's no hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured, got a couple last. Nevertheless, the, the con con uh, rivalry between John McCain before he died of the same thing that Ted Kennedy had, um, their rivalry, you know, was a big problem within the Republican Party. But the thing was, is that John McCain was more connected to this chart of George Washington and presidential power of April 30th, 1789, because the Saturn positions are identical, 20 of Pisces. So I had researched that and I realized that John McCain was sort of like connecting to the George Washington uh, position of being president uh, more than he was having a good connection to the U.S. birth chart. Now, the reason I bring this up is Joe Biden, this is very interesting, as well as Kamala Harris, they have very strong connections to the presidential power chart. So Jupiter in this chart, you'll see the moon approaching Jupiter in the 11th house of presidential power. You'll see Jupiter at 22 plus a Cancer. That's only three degrees from Jupiter in Joe Biden's chart. It's also close to the United States Mercury. Um, the other thing about this chart um, is you'll see Juno in Libra and Vesta in Libra in house number two with Neptune. There's a triple conjunction when George Washington took the oath of office. 
Juno, 17 plus of Libra, Vesta, 20 plus of Libra, Neptune, 21 plus of Libra. When the United States was born, Juno was in Libra at 20 degrees. And remember, the United States born as a country, 1776, July 4th. This is now uh, 12 plus years later, April 30th, 1789, when the first president comes in. But Juno is making a return only a couple of degrees away from the U.S. Jupiter. Vesta is exactly on the U.S. Uh, uh, excuse me, Juno. Okay, so Juno is returning to its own position when George Washington took the oath of office within three degrees. Vesta is on that Juno position and Neptune is within a degree. Now, the reason that the Juno energies are so important here is that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, even though they're born 22 years apart, they have the same Juno. So now asteroids have about a four plus year cycle. So about five cycles of Juno had gone by from Joe Biden when he's born with Juno, that's Sagittarius. So I've shared this before, but Joe Biden is born with a Juno and Sagittarius conjunct the United States rising position. When Juno is working well, that's exactly what we saw yesterday. Peace, harmony, civility. This is what Joe Biden represents. Now I've shared before, he's also born with Sun conjunct Venus. I call him a Venusian. He's born when the Earth, the Sun, and Venus, if we think of it from a solar systemic level, they only come together in that full Venus arc. It's not a new Venus. It's not, Merc it's not Venus being retrograde. Joe Biden has a direct Venus. But he comes in with a wave on the Venusian wave as opposed to Donald Trump's Marshall wave. Now, people are all on the right wing, the conspiracy thing of all these different groups trying to take over the Capitol and destroy the country and attack the Democrats and so on, or even Mike Pence. They were keep, they kept hoping, remember Mike Flynn, the disgraced general, he was calling for martial law and he was pardoned by the president. So martial law, what is martial law? It's like a term thrown around martial law. Mars, get it? Martial. If, so, if we use the adjective martial, we're talking about the planet Mars. Mars rules soldiers, it rules armies, it rules violence, bloodshed and so on. Now, can Mars be positive? Of course, it can represent leadership. It can represent passion directed in a good way. As we'll see, Mars and Neptune are both connected to what's called the sixth ray, connected a lot to the Piscean age, but connected to idealism and devotion, uh, religion. Uh, but when that gets extreme, it becomes fanaticism, that leads to terrorism, that leads to violence and so on. But the Juno energy, the fact that the chart for presidential power from George Washington shows a lot of Libra connected to the United States Juno from July 4, 1776 at 20 degrees. For instance, uh, it turned out that George Floyd in his son's son, uh, in his birth chart, his son was right on the United States Juno. Now we have a president and vice president born 22 years apart. They have the same Juno and it's on the United States rising in Sagittarius. And that Juno is coming back three times as we go through this year. So we've got this enormous Juno energy. When it works well, Juno is peace, harmony, uh, civility. And um, there the other energies. I mean, it actually is very strong like Venus in charts of marriage and charts of compatibility. We need to look at Juno when we look at charts to understand for men and for women, what's Juno doing? Where is it located as well as Venus? So the fact that the incoming president now and vice president, they have the same moon within about four degrees. And the moon was coming back 
at the inauguration. The problem was it was void. It was in the end of its cycle. A void moon means every couple of days when the moon is ending its two to two and a half year, day cycle, uh, it's, it's made all of what we call its main alignments. They're called the Ptolemaic alignments. They go back to 2000 years ago to Claudius Ptolemy, who is a, um, a Greek astrologer living in Egypt, if I have that right, around 100 AD. Okay, so there are books that he create, he, he put out there about astrology from the ancient times. So we have a lot of astrologers who are looking at those books. But the Ptolemaic alignments are the conjunction, which is when planets are together or zero degrees apart and or close within an orb like that, or they're opposite 180 degrees, or they're trine, which is a triangular harmonious figure of 120 degrees. This is all part of geometry when we were in school and learning geometric kind of circles and triangles and things like that. Then there's the square of 90 degrees or a cross in the zodiac of, of the circle of the zodiac. And the sextile, 60 degrees or one sixth of the circle. If you put a seal of Solomon or star of David, a uh, six pointed star in, into the zodiac. That's, we're talking about geometric forms within the circle of the heavens, within the circle of, of the zodiac and so on. So there are other aspects, though, as as you know, I've mentioned in the cosmic calendar, I will have aspects of the semi square 45 degrees, half of 90. That's a significant aspect. 135 degrees, which is uh, a sesquiquadrate, a weird name. It's a square and a half, 135 degrees. What's called the quincux or, or uh, 150 degrees. Or the inconjunct, as they call it, where planets are five signs apart. Um, and I also shared the quintile, which is if you were to put a five-pointed star in the zodiac, it's considered a minor aspect. Uh, this was studied by Johannes Kepler, quintiles and biquintiles, 72 degrees, 144 degrees. So there are a lot of minor aspects. But when we deal with a void moon, the thing is, while it's, a, it's an important alignment where the major alignments have already gone through and, and the position of the moon in this case at this inauguration was way at the end of, of Aries. Just like with Barack Obama, his first inauguration, the moon was at 29 and three quarters degrees of Scorpio. It was definitely void. And what happened was, I mean, he survived, so did Biden, but then his policies were overturned by uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Now they're going to be un-overturned, un gradually restored. So uh, a void moon, often they're the situation of a void moon um, with Franklin Roosevelt, then he died from his cerebral hemorrhage. So people started thinking that's really horrific that JFK is murdered also with the void moon. But then you have, have Richard Nixon who resigns from office. He doesn't die, okay? Bill Clinton with the Monica Lewinsky affair, his second inauguration, he has a void moon. He's impeached, but he's not convicted. But as I shared the last time, that affects Al Gore. Al Gore actually has more popular votes by about a half a million than George Bush. They're in the close election. Then they, they have to wait 36 days. A five to four ruling that should never have happened um, by the Supreme Court. They should have just let Florida do its own thing. They shouldn't have intervened at all. Well, in, in a way, that's what they, they, they pretty much did. Um, they just sort of sent it back to them, but with a five to four ruling, um, and, and that created all these problems at that point. Luckily, Al Gore was civil enough to let it all go at that point. And now we have where we are now. But at any rate, there's all this stuff in the presidential power chart, another whole group of planets. They, there's more things I will share in the future. I just wanted to bring the new moon before birth chart for America and the uh, presidential power chart to your attention. 
Um, now, if I can find it in my group here, don't get lost here. The Discovery of America chart. Here it is. Yeah, I have all these clipped together. So this is, I've, I've studied this for, for decades. March 13, 1781. We won't get into the whole thing. But again, I, the reason I'm sharing this is because I pulled it out. I found so many different things. Uh, this was March 13, 1781. Uh, now, let me just give you the nitty gritty here. It turns out, again, if you look in this chart that I'm presenting in the folder at Great Bear Enterprise, you look in the eighth house. Um, this is for 1020 in the evening, an approximate chart, Bath, England, Sir William Herschel discovers this planet, creates all of this revolutionary, it changes everything about astronomy because for ages, everything were, there are fixed stars, they never move, Saturn is the furthest planet away, there's nothing beyond that. Suddenly, after Galileo comes out with the telescope, uh, 1610, around that time, then we, this is 171 years later that Uranus is discovered um, in March, and then it leads amazingly to America being revitalized in that last year of the American Revolution and Washington, uh, uh, you know, there's a surrender of Cornwallis to Washington and, and uh, the Continental Army in October of, 19, uh, of 1781. So this is talk about a revolutionary energy. Now, uh, again, we're gonna get into Uranus in a moment with my reading in this article, but I wanted this to be presented. Why? Because you'll see Uranus in the eighth house, 24 plus a Gemini. In fact, it's opposite Mars. If you look in the second, third house here, you'll see that when Uranus was discovered, Mars and Uranus were opposite. Now that's very significant because I just said, we just had Mars and Uranus together and that can be a dangerous combination. And we, we saw that because at the insurrection event of January 6th, Mars at 30 of Aries had triggered the previous Mars-Uranus conjunction of February 12th of 2019. Mars-Uranus conjunctions have, happen every year and a half or so. So they can be dangerous because on the world stage or national stage and with all these disparate groups and people who are angry, people who are frustrated, like if somebody's angry, that's a Mars phenomenon for the most part. If people strike out at others, if they yell, if they scream, if they're brash, if there's inflammatory rhetoric, all the things that happen during that insurrection to then develop into even more of a mob mentality of things that are completely uncontrollable. Again, if you understand that not only was Mars in Aries, its own sign, it had conjoined this outer planet Eris. If, um, in that podcast 59, you'll see in the folder that Mars in your Eris, this planet discovered January 2005, considered the sister of Mars in mythology, again, a, a planet far further away than Pluto. I think uh, Eris has a cycle of 500 plus years, 565 years or so. So e Eris is very far away from the Earth, and it's much further. It's twice as far, over twice as far as Pluto is. So it's really far out there. It's not as far out as the orbit of Sedna, which is about 11,000 years. It's just that Sedna has come to our attention, and I've shared a lot about Sedna because it's closer to perihelion. It's in its 11,000 year orbit. We're seeing Sedna because in this 11,000 year orbit, it's, it's its closest position to the Earth and the Sun. I think that becomes exact like in about 60 years or so that Sedna will even be closer. And maybe through some missions by NASA or other other um, missions, they'll, they'll, they'll look at Sedna. Um, it would be, I think, much harder to look at Eris or maybe not. I mean, maybe they'll be able to do all of these things. But 
What's the point here? Discovery of Uranus. Uranus re represents breakthroughs, radical change, revolution, higher mind, all these different kind of concepts. Things that are unconventional, things that are different. Change. As Joe Biden said at 12.01 yesterday, don't tell me that change can't happen about um, electing Kamala Harris and finally having America as a vice president, potentially as a president. So here's another thing showing the revolutionary movement of, of Kamala Harris in her life, and maybe this is a destiny force. Uranus, 24 of Gemini, Mars, 23. That means the Mars-Uranus opposition or polarity, which is different than the conjunction, is on her horizon. Again, her chart is known. We know her birth time. So she has 24-25 Gemini rising, 24-25 um, Sagittarius setting. And, and this is interesting because the president of the United States, the, the last one, uh, Donald Trump, he said the last one, it was only since yesterday, Sun 23 Gemini, Moon 21 Sagittarius, the United States Mars is 22. So not only does Kamala Harris have this powerful horizon of Gemini Sagittarius where the nodes are fate and destiny, but now, as I shared, the new moon before birth, the, the, the sort of granddaddy, grandma energy of sun and moon creating America is has the sun and moon on her ascendant, illuminating her in, path of individ, individuality, which is what the rising sign or ascendant is all about. The future, where you're going, capital S with self, selfhood with a capital S. So now we see that the, discovery of Uranus, which led to the foundation of the United States, of the of the 13 colonies. The Uranus position is right on her birth ascendant. Mars is opposite. And the sun, in a, what we call a T-square, is uh, in Pisces, making that whole thing um, a, a, a triangular, or what we call a T-square relationship. So that's one of the most profound things. And there's other things in the chart, you know, that that connect. For instance, Jupiter, you'll see in the first house of discovery of Uranus, 27 plus Scorpio. Well, that's Joe Biden's Sun-Venus conjunction. So you see he's connected to that in, in that particular way. Um, the Neptune position at four plus of Libra is actually uh, within one degree of, of uh, Donald Trump's Neptune. So we see a connection of, of uh, discovery of Uranus. And we know Donald Trump, one of the big things about him, which was difficult and challenging, he's born with sun conjunct Uranus and the North Node. So the whole thing of doing things his own way, different, when he would meet with Putin again, I don't want anyone in there. I don't want the translator. I'm just, I'm just, I don't want any notes. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. And he was, uh, Donald Trump did subscribe to the, to the philosophy of, of Richard Nixon, this kind of madman idea. Now, Donald, uh, Richard Nixon didn't make it as extreme as Donald Trump went. The idea of like unpredictability. If everybody doesn't know what I'm gonna do, then that's, what I, that's my plan. If you would remember, that's why his role of creating the apprentice, Larry Apprentice. Do you know how many times Donald Trump to a reporter would say, we'll see, you, we'll see what happens or whatever. That's all because when you create TV shows, what are you thinking? Join us next time, or soap operas, because that's, in a way, the way he looked at it. It's like you build up all the suspense, and then next week, on the same evening, we'll, we'll see what happens with the, celebrity, the, the apprentice or the celebrity apprentice. 
So you mastered the whole thing of like, you never know what's going to happen. It could be great. It could be lousy. The whole thing where he would fire different people and everyone would tune in. Wow, this guy was firing people. And remember, he would never do this. He didn't fire Jim, Jim Comey in person. He never fired anybody. It was either by tweet or by some kind of uh, guts would get somebody to do it. So in the TV show, he was able to look like a powerful person where he's hiring, he's firing, he's all in charge. But in his own personality, in his own way of doing things, he never did. He, he doesn't do that. He has somebody else do that. So that's a very interesting thing. And at any rate, the discovery of Uranus chart, and we can get into some of these other positions, really, really fascinating. And there's just so many of these uh, particular planetary bodies. So let's see. Um, I think for now, um, let me just see if there's... Um, yeah, well, I mentioned before the oaths were taken, the personal oaths were taken before noon. So I mentioned that. However, I'm still using the noon chart as the main chart. I think that the personal oaths that were taken shortly before, about 19 minutes before noon for Kamala Harris, has personal significance for her, uh, but it's not the same thing as the noon chart. So I'm using the noon chart because that's based on Constitution. So if you see that coming up, over and over again, you know that I'm, I'm not making a mistake. It's not that I don't know that the exact moment happened earlier, but I am using more of the idea of the constitutional um, concept there. So we've got a lot more to cover in the future, but I'm going to now read from this magazine here. Let me just look at um, time period here. I'm sure we're like two hours, 15 minutes. No, two hours and 40 minutes. Okay, so I'll read this thing and it'll be another one of these three-hour things, but at least we'll have part four done, and there's a lot in here. And I do apologize uh, for that one time. I was about to say something, and I lost my train of thought. Oh, there is one other thing. We're going to get into this. This is pretty exciting. In addition to looking at all kinds of other alignments coming up in this series about 2021 and beyond, I've already mentioned chaos is this planet. Uh, it's really fascinating that I found that it's right at the top of the U.S. chart for July 4th, 1776. We're going to get more into chaos uh, in the future. It was discovered November 19th of 1998. Now think this through. November 19th. Well, Joe Biden was born November 20th. Now, of course, this is 1998, which is, what, 22 years ago. But I think it is interesting, not that Joe Biden will then be the candidate of chaos, but that we have all this chaos in the United States. And so that faraway planet, which has a cycle of 300 300 some odd years, um, I've got it here somewhere, uh, I think it's 309 years, it's definitely longer than Pluto, okay, yeah, 309 years, chaos, discovered ni November 19, 1998, um, when it, in the U.S. chart, it's at 23 a Virgo, one degree past Neptune, and slightly closer to the meridian, or the vertical power line in the U.S. chart, so knowing that we have this planetary body that's named for kind of the primordial chaos of the universe is very interesting. So I am going to start sharing more. I mentioned in a previous podcast, there's Varuna, there's Quayor, there's Makimaki, there's Haumea. Haumea is a uh, Hawaiian goddess. Um, it has a cycle of 284 years. We're going to look at that this year because uh, it's in Libra. So is Makimaki, which uh, is a planet discovered uh, March 31, 2005, has a cycle of 306 years. 
is an Easter Island god connected to the Birdman cult. And these are all actual planets in our solar system. And they're far away, so unless they're conjunct a personal planet, a sun or moon or something in your own chart. But it is something, If just so you know, if you're ordering a consultation with me, we can't put these, these into the reports, sky, Skylog, Timeline, and so on. In fact, those reports, they're not going to give you your progressions of, of Chiron and the asteroids. We do have a uh, four-asteroid and Chiron natal report. So if you want more on Chiron and, the, and uh, the four main asteroids, that's a separate report that's natal. The, the uh, Skylog, the Timeline, Life Progressions, they're using Sun, Moon, and the main planets, okay, for those. So we, unfortunately, there is no report program that can suddenly put chaos into your chart, or Maki Maki, or Varuna, or Haumea, or some of the other ones that have been discovered. There's Ixion, uh, Orcus. There's a lot of these planets that are in what we call the Kuiper, Kuiper Belt uh, and the Oort Cloud. This is in the areas between Pluto and the sort of what we call the heliocosm, which is far out in space. So we keep discovering these different bodies. That's why the search for the so-called ninth planet or this other one that people often call Nibiru or others, whether it's out there or not, it's all like far away, this other big planetary body that somewhere or another, it's out there. So uh, I just happened to pick up on that piece of paper. So uh, about these different planets, but Maki Maki, and Haumea are now in this new 10-year uh, ephemerides uh, that's connected to the Neil Nicholson organization. So they actually give uh, Maki Maki and Haumea, if I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. Okay, so here we go. Um, this, this article is called The Seven Rays and the Midlife, and the, not the Midlife, the Mideast Crisis. And it actually has a version of one of the logos I use, um, the seven planets, and then Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and a triangle. If you look at the nice cover, and it's and then subtitled Esoteric Astrology in a New World Order. And the New World Order that I'm using in this title is not the, the kind of thing that a lot of people disparage that came under George Herbert Walker Bush of that kind of New World Order, although that's a preliminary idea. This is all related to the United Nations and like, can't we all live together and the, the idea of the, an Aquarian age of sisterhood and brotherhood and so on, which is on the horizon. We are moving in that direction. So at any rate, let me read this and then um, that'll be it for today. We've accomplished a whole lot and there's still, again, I'm going to be doing timeline to wars, history repeating itself about, remember I, I shared a couple of podcasts ago, Jupiter has an 83-year cycle and that it turned out that uh, 1937, and 2020 are related because Jupiter has an 83-year cycle. That means this year is connected to 1938. So every day this year, Jupiter is basically going on the same positions day by day to where it was in 1938. So the events of 38 in general, I'm not saying exactly that history repeats itself. So, you know, in, in 1938, we had the War of the Worlds broadcast of, of H.G. Wells. Um, uh, by the Mercury Theater in Orson Welles. I'm not saying that we're that's going to exactly get repeated or there'll be another rendition of a sci-fi story around Halloween time this year. Maybe there will be. But it, basically the kind of challenges of 1938 and the, are sort of coming up in a, in a higher wave of the spiral time-wise because Jupiter has this unusual cycle where it keeps repeating its exact planetary positions day by day within a few minutes of arc, not 
not a few degrees, it's, it's very close. And then the big thing that I'm really concerned about is that in the year where Pluto comes back three times to the United States, which has never happened before in 2022, it just happens to be 83 years since 1939. And we know 1939 is the start of World War II, which with all of those horrors. And because of the, the, the feelings of a new civil war kind of mentality in our country, and again, knowing that Neptune is going to come back from 1861, we'll make a return in like 2025, 2026. And we're going to have to deal with that even a couple of years further on in the future. This is why we have to be realists and we all have to try and pull together which I do believe we should do in general. That's my own personal way of, of working or living in life to create goodwill and to be courteous to the best of our abilities in our daily interactions with our families, with our friends, with the world as a whole. What can we do to make things better? Which is again, a more Venusian thing. That's why I do have hope that uh, Joe Biden with his son conjunct Venus. And we also have um, the situation going on with Kamala Harris has a very powerful Venus in her chart. One of the things that we will talk about in the future, if you take America's birth chart and you do what's called the bywheel, and when I do consultations, I always give people a bywheel. What is a bywheel? Your birth chart surrounded by the transits on the day we do the interpretation. So that allow, and I can also do the transit separate. What is the sky like where you're living when I'm talking to you on the phone? That is, is what I call horror astrology. The great astrologer Evangeline Adams used that kind of charting. She called the accidental ascendant. She was one of the great American astrologers turn of the century. And there's a whole book I have, The Bowl of Heaven, some of the other books that when I got into astrology, there were other books based on Evangeline Adams. But she used the concept if, if somebody came to her office and they said, look, I don't know my, my birth time. I have no idea. There was no record. And then uh, Evangeline Adams would say, well, you do know when you're born. Yeah, I was born and, and the person would give their day, month, and year. So what Evangeline Adams would do, she lived in New York, was that the client would come to her. She became very famous. There was a whole trial in, in and it's too long to get into right now, but it's actually connected to um, uh, Isha, who I married, uh, her family, her a, a great uncle of hers was the judge at that at, at the uh, Evang Evangeline Adams trial that we're she proved that astrology worked in New York and it overturned rulings against astrology so that the judge, it's a, it's a remarkable kind of historical thing that happened in the state of New York. But at any rate, she used a, a, um, a, she used what's called the accidental sentence. So she would know what was happening in the sky at the moment that the client came to her office or in those days, they weren't doing things by telephone. Um, they might have, I guess, but I think most of it was people would just come to her office because that's the telephone wasn't invented until 1876. She's doing all this stuff from like the time when radio is just coming into being. So people heard about her fame and they go to her office or get a reading from her. And she would take the chart for the moment of that day or that time when they walked in the office using the rising sign for that moment and then put all that person's planets, sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, and all the planets and the nodes of the moon into that chart for the time of the moment and interpret it is kind of using horary astrology of the moment with the birth planets and sun moon of that individual and she got incredible results. So any rate, that's something, uh, if you decide to do a consultation, I will use that Evangeline Adams type approach, but it's also what we call a bywell. And the reason I bring this up is if you take Kamala Harris's planets, sun, moon, and planets, 
superimpose them in a bywale around America's birth chart, you get extraordinary kind of situations going on because Kamala Harris is a sun sign Libra. The United States has Libra in an elevated position in the top of the chart, along with Neptune and Virgo, for instance. And so Kamala Harris has um, a triple conjunction in Virgo, and one of those planets is Venus. And that means these uh, planets of Venus and asteroids and her sun and her Mercury and some of these planets all in the elevated position of America's birth chart. So we can do the same thing with Joe Biden and put his planets around America's birth chart and what we call a bywell. So at some point in the future, when events start happening, I will probably present to you the Kamala Harris and the Joe Biden bywheels where their sun, moon, and planets are surrounding in the outer ring of a bywheel and the U.S. chart is the inner ring and that can give us an understanding of how they're affecting the country. We can also reverse it to see, put their charts as the inner ring and how the country's chart is affecting them more personally, how, the, how our country and its events are affecting them. But to understand how they will affect our country, it's better to put them in the outer ring and see how they affect the country. So these are all tools that are, I also use when I'm doing charts for people. Okay, one more sip of water and then we'll end here as I read you this story. So again, 30 plus years ago, still have the evidence. Page three, cover story, esoteric astrology and a new world order. The seven rays and the Persian Gulf crisis, part one. By the way, I don't know if I ever wrote a part two. When I have a lot of information and I was writing, I would often do part one, knowing that there's more to, to happen and then we'd have other subjects and have to move on to something else. But at any rate, I'd always want to share this with all of you. Now it's the right time. Here's how it begins. Here's the essence of this astrological story. By utilizing the esoteric science of the seven rays, the seven life energies that permeate our universe, solar system and planet, and which are described in great detail throughout the books written by Alice A. Bailey, and particularly the meaning of the sixth and the seventh rays, we can better understand the current crisis in the Middle East, the need to create a new world order, and what lies ahead in 1993, as Uranus conjoins with Neptune three times. We are at an astounding crossroads of human history and a recognition of the power of these seven rays is essential as we look out, look out at a crumbling world civilization and the birth of a new 2160 year zodiacal cycle. In this feature, I will lay the groundwork for your understanding of this important psychology of the seven rays. However, my goal is to zero in on how the interaction of the sixth and seventh rays symbolizes our present global conflict and how the countries of the world may be able to create a true community of nation states in the late 1990s and the first few decades of the 21st century. Therefore, we will focus on the basics this month and continue our evolving series in future issues. And again, point of reference, which I don't think I actually did. Okay, subtitle now back to the story, The Seven Rays. Without getting too esoteric, it is said that the seven rays are streams of life energy that permeate our existence on the physical, etheric, vital, emotional, astral, mental, and higher mental, spiritual planes, have their origin in the seven main stars of the Great Bear. This is discussed throughout the Alice A. Bailey books. For this series of articles, I recommend Esoteric Psychology, Volume 1, The Destiny of the Nations, Esoteric Astrology, and A Treatise on White Magic. Again, these are all by Alice A. Bailey where she's inspired by the Tibetan master DK. 
These rays have very distinctive qualities and their immense power cycles in and out of humanity according to certain unknown rhythms. Solar systems, planets, nations, cities, and human beings all are said to have connections to the seven rays on spiritual, soul, personality, mental, emotional, and physical levels. Here is just one example table of the seven rays to give you a bird's eye view of what we're dealing with. There are many other qualities that are correlated with each of these rays, but this will get you started. Ray one, will, power, government, creation, the occultist. Ray two, love, wisdom, education, the heart, the true psychic. Ray three, active intelligence, adaptability, the magician. Ray four, harmony through conflict, beauty, intuition, the artist. Ray five, knowledge, mental energy, the scientist. Ray six, idealism, religious fervor, the devotee. Ray seven, ceremonial order, synthesis, magic, the ritualist. In addition to this list, each ray is said to channel its energy through one or two planetary bodies. This is very crucial, and here is a rundown of the current correlation for this epoch of history. Ray one, Vulcan, an intermercurial planet not yet discovered or existing on the etheric level, and Pluto. Ray 2, Jupiter and the Sun. Ray 3, Saturn and the Earth. Ray 4, Mercury and the Moon. V Ray 5, Venus. Ray 6, Neptune and Mars. Ray 7, Uranus. Before jumping into the heart of our story on the 6th and 7th rays, please realize that Ray 1, 2, and 3 are considered primary, kind of like a, of a spiritual trinity. In fact, we are said to be living in the second solar system, wherein the second ray of love wisdom is considered to have the main rulership. At some point in the far future, there will be a third solar system in which the first ray of will and power will dominate. As we will see shortly, there is a special link between even-numbered rays, 2, 4, and 6, and odd-numbered rays, 1, 3, 5, and 7. There is also Import, this is also important since true Christianity and universal love are province of the second ray, while these energies get stepped down to the sixth ray, which has ruled over devotion, idealism, religious fanaticism, and the unfortunate manifest, manifestation of churchianity as a distorted reflection of true Christianity. In the meantime, the powerful energies of spiritual will and government find an ultimate expression in the seventh ray, which attempts to bring, bring forms, rhythms, and order into the material earth plane, the dance of the sixth and seventh rays. Having completed that all too brief introduction, let's begin to put it all together. The last 2,160 year cycle of human evolution has been under the auspices of Pisces, the so-called Piscean age. Generally speaking, the planet Neptune, undiscovered until 1846, has been the primary ruling body for the last 20 centuries. But Neptune is the sacred planet channeling the sixth ray of devotion, idealism, and religious fervor throughout humanity. Mars, considered a non-sacred planet due to its not being as cosmically evolved as Neptune, is also a channel for the sixth ray. And Mars, always associated with war, soldiering, strife, separatism, and bloodshed, is also, also recognized as a main ruler of Christianity. The next 2,160-year cycle will be the Aquarian Age, and its principal ruler is Uranus. Uranus is said to channel the seventh ray of ceremonial order, rhythm, ritual, and magic. The Alice A. Bailey books clearly state that since the early 1600s, the sixth ray has been gradually retreating in power, demanifesting, we might say. 
and the seventh ray has been coming into manifestation, increasing its widespread expression throughout humanity since the late 1600s. So far, so good. Now, what does this mean to us in 1990? If you take a clear look at the world of the 20th century, and if you realize that we are at the close of the Piscean Age, then certain illuminating thoughts can fill your mind. One, groups of human souls, primarily associated with the sixth ray of religious fervor and devotion, are rapidly, quote unquote, leaving the scene, departing, so to speak, from earthly life. Two, as they leave, tremendous religious battles and struggles take place on our planet. Three, New groups of human souls, primarily associated with the seventh ray of ceremonial order, synthesis, white magic, and ritual, are rapidly arriving from the inner planes, reincarnating frequently to help give birth to the Aquarian age ruled over by Uranus. Got to turn the page here. Uranus, the channel for the seventh ray. Four. The movement away from the sixth ray and toward the seventh ray is creating much havoc and upheaval throughout humanity, not just in the religious realms, but in the political, social, economic, and scientific worlds as well. Now, let me just pause here. Remember, we just had Mars conjunct Uranus. That's why I'm reading this. The Mars is connected to the sixth ray as a non-sacred ruler. Neptune is the higher ruler of the sixth ray. This all connects up to the Piscean age that we're leaving. Uranus is the sole ruler of the seventh ray of order, synthesis, magic, and the Aquarian age. So we just had the conjunction and the moon uh, of Mars and Uranus. They happen every one and a half years to two years. And as I said, the insurrection event that occurred there, remember President Trump who encouraged it, sun conjunct Uranus, but with the rising Mars, and his son on the United States, Mars. And on that day of January 6th, Mars happened to trigger the Mars-Uranus conjunction from February 12th of 2019, which is why it came so close to such a destructive thing. And it was destructive anyway. And it's every year now from January 6th onward, uh, a future January 6th, we're going to be remembering what happened there. And you, just like with 911, with JFK, with uh, Pearl Harbor, and so many of these different events, when we look back in time, January 6th will be one of those dates as a warning for the country and the world. Okay, back to the storyline. I strongly recommend your reading pages 358 to 375 in Alice A. Bailey's Esoteric Psychology, Volume 1, for a clear and inspired understanding of the dance of the sixth and the seventh rays at this time in human evolution. In this section is an illuminating comparison revealing that the sixth ray has created a world vision over the centuries, and the seventh ray is now here to implement that vision, that the sixth ray has created the mystic temperament, while the seventh ray is bringing in the occult or magical attributes of mind, that the sixth ray has led to a temporary separatism within humanity, while the seventh ray is fostering fusion and synthesis, that the sixth ray has raised the ideals of sacrifice devotion to a teacher and personal martyrdom, to great heights, while the seventh ray is energizing the path of group identification, spiritual rhythms, and planetary service for millions of human souls. The entire topic is very involved and com complicated, but for our purposes, these are some of the ideals in a nutshell. Now, subtitle, Neptune and Uranus. The most obvious connection between the sixth and seventh rays has to do with the sacred planets said to be their channels at this time. Neptune definitely is the planetary conduit for the sixth ray. Uranus is so clearly the emissary for the seventh ray. So, 
The reason all of this is important is that we are heading toward three conjunctions of Uranus and Neptune in 1993 at 18 to 19 degrees of Capricorn. We have discussed this for many years in a wide variety of articles in Welcome to Planet Earth, but we have barely hinted at the connection to the sixth and seventh rays. Now, let me just stop for a second. I'm, I wrote this in 1990. I didn't know that Bill Clinton would become president, that in his administration, there would be that beginning of the battle in February of 1993, when the first World Trade Center bombing occurred, that would eventually lead to 911 in 2001, that we would have had the Waco um, uh, 51 days from also February of 1993 into uh, that key date of April 19, which is part of American history of the Battle of Lexington and Concord, kind of a Patriot's Day kind of energy, when Waco happened. And then a couple of years later, also in April 19, 1995, the Oklahoma City bombing. But in 1993, which was a couple of years after this, is when Uranus and Neptune, the key rulers of the sixth and the seventh rays, came into a conjunction three times. It's part of the reason why Bill Clinton gave to Hillary Clinton the job of creating health care. It became a complete disaster um, due to the fact that it was 27 years ago and America was not ready for a woman in power, particularly a first lady, to take on that kind of role. It was rejected. It was never accepted until we got to Barack Obama, healthcare in America, and it led to Newt Gingrich and the House going Republican in the midterm election. By the way, and we'll get back to the storyline here, let's be clear. Democrats, there's a lot of kumbaya energy here. Wow, we're, we're out of the horrible Trump era. We've got Biden and Harris, but guess what's happening in two years? Midterm elections. The Senate is almost evenly divided or is evenly divided, and the House the, the Democrats barely did okay to get Biden and Harris to get in there. So this could be a short-term party, particularly with all of the uh, these planetary events, Neptune opposing on Neptune by transit in, in this year several times and opposing and squaring on Mars and getting very close to the Pluto returns of next year. So, and with a pandemic and flu season and economic crisis and everything else that has to happen here. And again, so if we don't all work together, my reading this and getting back to the story is this has been known for way decades before I even wrote this. Fortunately, I was at the Arcane School, Lucis Trust, Lucis Publishing, World Goodwill Triangles, was, was able to be a part of that, plus full moon meetings and other kinds of things, learned astrology, got into metaphysics, got into Edgar Cayce, Rudolf Steiner, um, all kinds of different great teachers, great astrologers, metaphysicians, philosophers, able to live at Fintorn and come back to the United States and do Welcome to Planet Earth, be on coast to coast, do these different things like the Astrology Cosmic Calendar app and Great Bear Enterprises. So here we are. But at any rate, I'm able, this is the first time I've, I've read this in, in 30 years, going back into all this information. So back to the story. So again, Neptune is the sixth energy on a higher level. Uranus is the seventh ray. So the reason all of this is important is that we are heading toward three conjunctions of Uranus and Neptune in 1993 at 18 degrees and 19 degrees of Capricorn. We have discussed this for many years in a wide variety of articles in Welcome to Planet Earth, but we have barely hinted at the connection to the sixth and seventh rays. Now it needs to be understood because of the increased tension, conflict, and possible war situation developing in the Middle East. And just as we go to press, October 10, 11, the killing of 19 Palestinians in Jerusalem 
the old city of peace and love from biblical days. By the way, let me add, I, I was in Jerusalem and Israel for one week in 1973, just before um, the, the uh, October War, the Yom Kippur War, I was there. So anyway, I, I didn't mention this. So October 10 uh, and 11th, this is again in 1990, as we go to press, the killing of 19 Palestinians in Jerusalem, the old city of peace and love from biblical days has occurred at, at a sacred religious site revered by Christians, Jews, and Muslims. It has stirred up the sixth ray religious passions to a higher level, just as Saddam Hussein's warlike and martial sixth ray rhetoric has also increased. Uh, by the way, let me add one other thing. There are ma other magazines. This was right before the first Persian Gulf War. And the next couple of magazines, we covered all of we covered all of that of uh, George W. Bush, whose son was on the United States Mars. Uh, that first, our first President Bush, we then got into war. So this is, I'm writing all of this before the war even happened, before the whole situation happened um, with him seizing Kuwait and then our starting the whole Persian Gulf War. Okay, so back to this story. Um, the handwriting is on the wall now in 1990 because there's no turning back. The Piscean Age has to metamorphose into the Aquarian Age shortly over the next few decades, and the sixth ray is rapidly leaving the Earth while the seventh ray energies surge in power. At the same time, we're about to experience the first Uranus-Neptune rendezvous while humanity has been aware that these two transpersonal planets are in existence. Uranus-Neptune conjunctions occur every 171 years, but when they aligned in 1650, both Uranus and Neptune were unknown. And when they connected in 1821 and 1822, Neptune was still undiscovered. Now we have even sent the Voyager 2 spacecraft to photograph Uranus in 1986 and Neptune 1989. And synchronistically with these photographic encounters, our planetary struggle between the incoming seventh ray and the outgoing sixth ray has increased enormously. Keep in mind that the seventh ray energies are here to build on what the sixth ray has anchored for the last 2,000 plus years. By the way, I wrote that bold in italics. The problem is that the sixth ray religious, devotional, idealistic forces, groups, and national entities are deeply entrenched, don't want to change, and seemingly refuse to leave on schedule. Thus, the next few years as Uranus approaches Neptune in the middle region of Capricorn, will allow us to witness and experience an amazing merging of these two ray vibrations. It may mean an awesome conflict or war in the world because Uranus and Neptune are now meeting while humanity is aware of their existence and a new age needs to be born. Now, let me add another thing. Many souls were born in that 1993 time period when Uranus and Neptune came together three times. A member of my family, um, a stepdaughter, is born in 1993. And she has Uranus conjunct Neptune. So if you know somebody, if a member of your family, friend, child, yourself, uh, because this we're talking 27 years ago, then you would want to really get into the astrology, aside from your own personal chart, the power of the moon, getting some of these reports that we have, maybe getting into the classes, then anyone born in 1993, any time in the year, there were three exact conjunctions of Uranus and Neptune, that is a rare cycle. And, it's in, and, and that person or those people have sixth and seventh ray energies attempting to be blended, almost as if in their own chart and their own life destiny, whatever he or she may be doing, anyone born in 1993, they will sort of have a um, microcosm of the last 2000 years energy, the sixth ray energies of idealism, devotion, religious um, 
sometimes fanaticism and how that can grow into or uh, evolve into, adapt into more of synthesis, magic, order, and seeing things in a whole different way of sisterhood and brotherhood for the new age. Okay, so as I said, keep in mind that the seventh ray energies are here to build on what the sixth ray energies have anchored for the last few thousand plus years. The problem is the sixth ray religious, devotional, idealistic forces, groups, and national entities are deeply entrenched, don't want to change, and seemingly refuse to leave on schedule. Thus, the next few years as Uranus approaches Neptune in the middle regions of Capricorn will allow us to witness and experience an amazing merging of these two ray vibrations. It may mean the awesome conflict or war in the world because Uranus and Neptune are now meeting while humanity is aware of their existence and a new age to be uh, needs to be born. So I just wanted to repeat that paragraph. Subtitle, A New World Order, A New World Religion. The Alice Bailey books also discuss the possibility of a new world order and a new world religion coming about in the decades ahead. The timing is not absolute, and if humanity, quote, drags its collective heels, unquote, these planetary shifts may not occur for another 100 to 300 years, exclamation point. Nevertheless, the outcome does not appear to be in doubt, and it is seen as an eventuality once humanity wakes up to its true planetary and solar systemic destiny as a species. Ironically, President Bush and various Soviet leaders are now throwing around this term of a new world order. It is a very positive development because the seemingly terrible crisis in the Persian Gulf is having extraordinary ramifications on the rest of the world. It is one, truly bringing together the United Nations like never before. Two, solidifying the tenuous political liaisons between America and Russia. And three, forcing many evolving nations to mature quickly and to get on the bandwagon of a new world order. Remember that Europe itself, the primary theater of devastation during the last two world wars, is on the verge of uniting economically in 1992, just over a year away. Saddam Hussein, for all his megalomania, unpredictability, and craziness, is the major catalyst precipitating this positive unfoldment on the world stage. As we have seen from features during the last two months, uh, Saddam Hussein was born the month of a Mars sixth ray station, which was, by the way, April of 1938, uh, 37. He's born the same month as Colin Powell. Uh, any rate, as we have seen from features during the last two months, he was born the month of a Mars sixth ray station. I'm pretty sure it's 1937. Uh, also, his birth coinciding with the Moon-Mars conjunction, and at the one phase of the year, when the sun was conjoined Uranus, channel for the seventh ray. So that's interesting. I'm just going to pause here. Remember, Donald Trump was born with the sun-Uranus conjunction. So here's my reminder that uh, Saddam Hussein was also born with that uh, energy field, but in this case, in the sign of Taurus. Okay, so Saddam Hussein has the battle between the sixth and the seventh rays within himself. That's because I'm just adding this now. He's born with the moon with Mars, and the Mars is sixth ray, and he's born with the sun conjunct Uranus, which is the seventh ray. So here's an example of a dictator who now is dead, um, who was the catalyst for the first Persian Gulf War because he he um, he took over Kuwait, and that was the catalyst for George Bush, whose son was on the U U.S. Mars, to say that's not going to stand, and then we formed that war, and then we didn't we didn't actually capture him, and then it was left to George Bush number two with 911, and that's how we toppled Saddam Hussein, even though he wasn't the cause of the 911 uh, disaster at the World Trade Center at the Pentagon. 
So that's all has to do with all these complexities and the problem, the sixth ray and the seventh ray and all these different challenges. So this is just a reminder to me, I hadn't been thinking about it, that Donald Trump, born with the sun conjunct Uranus and Gemini, has the same solar configuration that Saddam Hussein had with sun conjunct Uranus and Taurus, uh, born back a couple of years before uh, the start of World War II. Uh, so Saddam Hussein has the battle between the sixth and the seventh rays within himself, and he is now expressing that throughout the Middle East in a terrifying way. President Bush also has the sixth, seventh ray energy str struggle going on. His son, this is George Bush number one, his son, illuminating forces precisely conjoined America's Mars, our national sixth ray religious fervor, and his own natal Uranus seventh ray squares the USA Mars exactly. Note as well that the United States was born July 4th, 1776, when Mars and Neptune were exactly square, 22 Gemini to 22 Virgo. Thus, the twin rulers of the sixth ray are functioning at right angles, cross-purposes, in our national chart, and President Bush is igniting this explosive tension in our national psyche. Essentially, a new world religion of the future will come about as the second ray of love wisdom transfigures the sixth ray, a new world order will ensue as the first ray empowers the ritualistic work of the seventh ray. Subtitle, America, Russia, and the Destiny of Nations. It is also important to consider that each nation has a rapport with various rays. This is spelled out in detail in The Destiny of the Nations. According to Alice A. Bailey, the USA has a second ray soul and a sixth ray personality. Russia has a seventh ray soul and a sixth ray personality. It is the second ray, love, wisdom, soul, vibration of America which has made our nation a true melting pot of religions, cultures, and ethnic groups from all over the world. America is a vast experiment in human education, but our sixth ray personality connected with Mars and Neptune symbolized much of the racism, hatred, separatism, and violence that still has to be exercised, exorcised from our collective astral and mental body as a nation. Amazingly, Russia's two main rays are the seventh and sixth. Hence, the Soviet Union is a microcosm on the earth today for the very struggle between the sixth and seventh rays happening throughout the entire planet at this time. Now remember, let me add this, in the previous podcast I mentioned Russia, which came into being after this, I wrote this, on December 25, 1991, which is a little over a year after I wrote this, Russia came into being when the Soviet hammer and sickle was lowered at the Kremlin by Gorbachev and the Russia flag, the tricolor Russia flag was raised. We're now in a Saturn return of Russia which is exact in the next couple of weeks. So it's 29 years since December 25, 1991. I said the last time, we've got that opposition leader. I gave his birth chart out, uh, Alexei Naval, Naval, Navalny, who was poisoned. And we know that Vladimir Putin poisons and gets rid of whoever his enemies are. And so this new guy is the head of the reform party. He's 44 years old. He's a, he's a threat due to his ability to encourage people. And one of the things I thought of, and then we'll get back to finishing up, we're almost done here with this article. It's a long one, but we're almost done. When I was thinking about what, what we were projecting to the world two weeks yesterday, two weeks after the horrific events at the Capitol, I thought, wow, China has over a billion people. They're a communist country. They are an authoritarian country. What they're doing to the Uyghurs, the millions of people who of the Islamic faith in their northwestern province. We now know, finally, I mean, we declared it even by our Secretary of State Pompeo just left office. I don't know why it took all these years. That they are subjugating them. They're terrorizing them. They're doing all kinds of things. This is the authoritarian 
Communist Party government of China, where again, the, the virus came through and everything else that's happening there. I thought of over a billion Chinese, if they saw the freedom, the liberty, when we're on course in this country as displayed yesterday, through the, the videos of, of the, the performances, the singing, the rituals, these uh, going to the unknown soldier. And that's the Aquarian energy, order, synthesis, magic, rituals done orderly, not chaotically, as happened under Donald Trump and George Bush number one. Remember Donald Trump's son conjunct Uranus, George Bush number one, son square Uranus where they're antagonizing and triggering the United States Mars. And if it's on a lower level, it never became as bad under George Bush um, Sr. Because the difference was, is he had Mars setting in his chart in Aquarius. And just by a whisker, even though we did get into the first Persian Gulf War, interestingly, he was only a one-term president, just like each of these Gemini sun sign presidents. JFK was murdered. He was the first Gemini president. So he never lived his whole term out. George Bush comes in, the second Gemini president. He becomes a one-term president. Now the third one, a one-term president. This, this isn't an accident. This is synchronicity. This has to do with fate and destiny. The reason is that we have a Mars and Uranus in the United States chart. We've got to have a BAR, a B-A-R-R, -R, Bureau of Astrological Research and Revelation. We've got to have this in our country and other countries. We've got to use the modern skills sets of all the software, relocation astrology, midpoints, all the expertise of astrologers far and wide with science, with medicine, with the arts, with um, climate change, with everything, all the different research, the uh, reincarnational aspects of things like the Edgar Cayce teachings, all the advances in science and medicine and across the board, you know, just because there's a whole field of, of medical astrology. Every Everything in life, there's there's a sub there's an area of, that astrology can use. Just like I do charts for individuals, and I do charts for the country or for individual states, or looking at new moons, full moons, eclipses, and so on. So it's wearing two hats. It's wearing two two different things. But I'm born with a Pisces sun and a Sagittarius moon. They are mutable signs. If you work with them well, and I'm not saying I always do, Sagittarius is like the centaur, the horse. Um, it's it's a dualistic sign, part of the mutable group of Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. And Pisces is not a fish. It's not just water. It's two fish intertwined. So if you're born with anything in Pisces, anything in Sagittarius, as well as Gemini, three of the four mutable signs, Gemini being the twins, you have to learn to work as best as possible with two things, dualities, and through a synthesis or coming together to recognize the higher side, the lower side, like soul and personality, or left and right, or anima and animus, the male and the female. Again, politically, there's good things in conservatism when it's done well. There's good things in liberalism when that's done well. People can learn to have their disagreements, as we always have, and still live in harmony and respect one another. It's possible. It has happened before. We, we can have it happening more fully in the future, not just in our country, but all around the world. Now, the UN has not done a very good job. And with all of these kind of suspicions that governments have and communi communism versus capitalism versus socialism, all these different isms, the rich versus the poor, the 1% versus the 99%, all these inequities in our world, in our country and around the world, it doesn't help to have the true ideas of, of what we go back to true Christianity or spirituality 
in whatever form, whether religion or philosophy, that we've we've had different teachings throughout the ages and so and so on. Okay, so back to the nearing the end of the story. Now again, this is a long, a, a lo this may be the longest one ever, and I didn't plan on that. America, Russia, and the destiny of the nation. So I, I, I gave you part of this thing. Okay, so let's go back here. If we watch the progress uh, process going on in the USSR, we will begin to understand what must happen across the globe and in the 1990s and the beginning of the next century. Via transits, please realize that Neptune has been op opposing the USA sun all of this year, which was 1990. Uranus will take over and perform this function three times in 1991. Hence, the rulers of the sixth and seventh rays are taking turns polarizing our heart lifeline, the sun, as a nation, 1990 and 1991. Is it any wonder that we are poised for a possible Armageddon in the M Middle East and awaiting an economic recession or worse on the home front? Now, let me just pause for a moment. That's exactly what actually happened. <laughs> we had the Persian Gulf War. We It was apparently a victory. P President Bush came back, President Bush number one, had a 91% favorability rating. I don't think any president has ever had anything close to that. And then, and that was in the, the spring of 1991, and then he loses an election because of the, the economy and other kinds of things and the ramifications a year and a half later when Ross Perot is running and there's th three main people running and Bill Clinton becomes president with like 43% of the electoral vote, of the popular vote. He did win the electoral vote twice against Bush and then Bob Dole. He had over 300 electoral votes both times. But when you have Ross Perot running and you split the more business conservative areas, the Republicans didn't win. And that's how we get Bill Clinton. Anyway, repeat this. I'm going to repeat this point. Is it any wonder that we are poised for a possible Armageddon in the Middle East and awaiting an economic recession or worse on the home front? And again, like I said, that's exactly what then happened the couple, next couple of months after I wrote this article in the uh, beginning of 1991. Okay, President Bush, for good or ill, has been the immediate catalyst for this scenario. And when Russia came into being on November 7, 8, 1917, actually Russia, meaning the Soviet Union, November 7, 8, 1917, Neptune, the sixth ray energy in Leo, was stationary in wide opposition to Uranus, the seventh ray, Sorry, got to go to the next page here. In its, one more page, in its home sign of Aquarius. By the fall of 1991, the Russian sun will progress into Aquarius for a new 30-year cycle. So uh, that's amazing. Let me just pause there. I said, by, by the fall of 1991, the Russian or Soviet sun will progress into Aquarius for a 30-year cycle. But guess what? <laughs> the Soviet Union ended. So <laughs> this was right when it was going to start a new 30-year cycle. It was, it was over with, and then Russia began its new cycle, and that's when we're in the Saturn return of that. That's why I feel um, what just happened yesterday, there could be, because of Alexei Navalny, Navalny and others in that part of the world between Russia and China, if somehow or another, and I'm not predicting you know, kumbaya there, but like if we could just stay on track, if we could kind of pull together here, avoid the hacking and all these different problems and all these animosities in our own political culture, avoid tearing down our capital and our system, come, come to our senses, we might be able to project out in the world this kind of sixth ray, seventh ray, the idea of like Piscean Age and the Aquarian Age is coming together on a vast scale and avoiding uh, planetary destruction. Okay, 
So then I wrote here, some 19 to 20 years later, by 2010, 2011, the Russian or Soviet progressed sun will then conjoin Uranus. So, so that never really happened, except since uh, Vladimir Putin came into power, in a way, the Soviet Union died uh, December 25, 1991, when the Russian flag went up and the hammer and sickle went down. But because we have someone from the old, from East Germany, KGB, who's a Soviet type of thinker and was involved with that, in a way, the old Soviet kind of chart and energy is still there, at least in re recess. Okay, that time, ten, this is 2010-11, may indicate the unfoldment of a new world religion that Alice A. Bailey mentions will come out of Russia. See that wonderful, inspiring quote, which I've printed many times, which is on page 61 of The Destiny of the Nations. Uh, just as a brief uh, note, again, in The Destiny of the Nations, um, Alice A. Bailey, inspired by the Tibetan master DK, says a new world religion will some come, somehow come out of Russia. If that's going to happen, if that prediction is going to happen, it's only going to happen because at some point Putin and their authoritarianism will get toppled by either a Navalny or the Russian people truly revolting from all of this authoritarianism because they've got COVID really bad too. And we know that Putin is not a good guy. And now that we, uh, Donald Trump is disappearing, at least for the time being, maybe it's Putin's time finally too. We'll see. As I said last time, Vladimir Putin's chart, he has Jupiter exactly on our Vesta which is safety and security, exactly to the minute of arc. It's part of the reason he and the, his government, they do all the hacking, the whole connection with Donald Trump, all these question marks. And, uh, of course, him being a former KGB person, and we know that Russia was part of the hack with the solar winds and getting into a Homeland Security or Commerce Department, um, all of these critical organizations, and we don't even know the full extent and probably won't know more about it. Okay, Pluto and the first ray. Our survey this month would not be complete without an important mention of Pluto as a channel for the first ray of will, power, government, the creator, and the destroyer. It is the first ray vibration which is associated with the devastating energy concealed within the atom and the heart of nuclear power. Pluto was discovered in February 1930, just after the stock market crash, the rise of the Great Depression, the empowerment of Hitler in Germany, the first rumblings of World War II, and the eventual detonation of the first atomic bomb. We are clearly living through the Plutonic century, quote-unquote, and it means that human beings are now receiving their first collective dose of the first ray energy, the shambolic force, as it is sometimes term termed. We might also say that the, that the power that harnesses the energy of the sun, hydrogen being changed into helium, and the stupendous uh, with the stu stupendous release of energy is now being gradually directed into the human species on this planet. Note, Oil is a fuel that is part of the sixth-ray Neptune world of the past 2,000 years. Solar energy is associated with the seventh-ray and the first-ray vibrations now gaining strength. Thus, it is significant that the Ulysses spacecraft has just been launched and will explore the north and south poles of the sun, never before seen in 1994 and 1995. This will occur just after Uranus has conjoined Neptune, hopefully leading to a strengthening of the seventh-ray energies over those of the sixth-ray. Solar energy must replace oil as a fuel over the next hundred, few hundred years. It is part of the initiation process of planet Earth and humanity. What I just read here was in bold. The question is, can we handle this incoming first-rate shambolic energy, or will we blow ourselves up in the process? Since humanity knows little or nothing about Vulcan, the intramercurial planet said to be the sacred ruler of the first ray, it appears we must learn to deal with Pluto 
considered a non-sacred planet channeling a rather mighty and lethal force. What has made this more difficult of late is that Pluto has just reached its perihelion, closest point to the Sun and Earth in its 248-year cycle. I often say it's 247, 248-year cycle around the zodiac. And the first ray energies are now at, quote, high tide, unquote. This could, could explain why Saddam Hussein precipitated the latest world conflict just after Pluto turned stationary direct at exactly 15 Scorpio, because Pluto is the channel for the first ray that unleashes momentous forces on the world scene, and Saddam Hussein has been a human pawn in a cosmic chess game. It is also crucial to realize that Pluto is not the outermost planet in the solar system right now. In 1979, Pluto moved inside of Neptune's orbit for a 20-year period. Right on schedule, Pluto's first ray energies became inflammatory within the sixth ray religious devotional world ruled by Neptune. Revolutionary Iran came into existence in early 1979, exactly as Pluto moved inside Neptune's orbit. Ten years later, in 1989-1990, and at the Pluto perihelion, the military-religious ante has been raised to white-hot levels. Pluto becomes the outermost planet again in 1999, a year I have designated as extremely intense due to the awesome total solar eclipse on August 11th of 1999. That was in the previous Welcome to Planet Earth. Okay, final, final section here. Mars and the present world crisis. We are we end the month, we end this month on Mars, and fitting that we should do so, as Mars is now making a station on October twentieth, nineteen ninety, at fourteen plus of Gemini, that may change the face of the globe forever more, particularly in the war ravaged Middle East. By the way, let me just stop there for a second. That Mars station did catalyze the Persian Gulf War, and the date was October 20th, 1990. Well, who's born on October 20th? Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris was born in 1964, and she would have been, what, 20, 26? Yeah, 26 years old. It's hard to believe that I was writing this, and she was only 26, born in 1964. Let's see, let me see if I got that right. Yeah, I think I got that right. So when, when she turned 26, uh, on October 20th of 1990, Mars made a station that led to the uh, the problems in the Middle East. Now, I'm not saying, look, if she becomes president down the road, she's going to have to deal with the Middle East crisis. So the thing is, is that she has a Mars in Leo. We're going to take a look at her Mars and we and and her Uranus in her chart. So we're gonna we're gonna look at those combinations of energies to understand what she is dealing with. And that's going to be very important because she came in in the time period when Uranus and Pluto um, and Venus are all together in Virgo. So she's born in 1964. That We're going to get into all that in the next podcast about her. That was the free speech movement in Berkeley. And I have something very personal to hear about the month of October 64, when Kamala Harris and her husband, born a week earlier, the new first or second gentleman, as he's being called, again, he's Jewish, She's now part of that family. So um, it's a very interesting thing to also have a Catholic, the second Catholic president and Kamala Harris. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying she converted to Judaism from whatever her religion was, which I believe was uh, a, a certain form of Protestantism. I don't think she was, I'm not sure if she was raised Catholic. I'll have to look into that. But I know she was raised with a certain amount of uh, Christian views, even though her mom, mom was from India. So there, there's so much Hinduism in India, particularly so. I'd have to look into that. I don't want to say something because I don't know what... I know Kamala Harris and her sister Maya incredibly connected to her mom 
and that she came out of a divorced family. I think there was a divorce at age seven, and I want to look into all of that because we don't hear very much of a mention of her father, um, who I believe was born in Jamaica. So we, there's something going on there that you know we, hasn't been fully recorded about, like the struggles of whatever that was. But I know her mom, her father, her mother was a doctor or in the medical profession. So I'm going to get into that so that I can give a more resilient background of her life. But at any rate, I paused here because the Mars station of 1990 was on October 20th. And with all these dates and so on, it's very interesting to think that she was 26. Um, Mars made a station, and then we got into the first Persian Gulf War over the next couple of months. So we'll have to figure out what she was doing when she was 26 around that time um, and, and figure all that out. I, I'm, I'm sure that she was not... She probably just came out of college and she wasn't, I don't think she was district attorney, which was her first main political job in San Francisco would have been a, a, a few years later or quite a bit later. And so I'd have to look into all of that. Um, I'm pretty sure she didn't get into all of that until she was in her, her 30s and into her 40s because she's now 56 years old. Okay, uh, from esoteric angles, the problem is this. Both President Bush and Saddam Hussein are still operating out of a Mars level devotional, idealistic, rabble-rousing, secretist inner world. At the same time, each leader is seeking to broaden his appeal. Hussein seeking the support of other Arab leaders, attempting to create a united front against America, Israel, and the West. Bush masterfully seeking to bring about a global alliance to face the threat of an all-out war in the Persian Gulf. Generally speaking, in Saddam Hussein, we are seeing the Mars 6th ray energy at its lowest expression. In George Bush, we are seeing the Mars 6th ray energy at its higher expression particularly seeking alignment with Neptune, the sacred sixth ray vibration, and Uranus, the seventh ray of synthesis. If President Bush on the world level, again, this is the first President Bush, on the world level and the ruthless Saddam Hussein in the Middle East can lift themselves up just a little higher, a peaceful settlement might be found through diplomatic channels and the like. Now, that was my hope. Did that happen? Absolutely not. And because, because that war started and we didn't take out Saddam Hussein, which was actually the correct decision by President Bush because it was really a UN operation. And he didn't go into Baghdad in the Persian Gulf War. We defeated uh, the Iraqis. We Kuwait became independent again, was taken away for Saddam Hussein. But Saddam Hussein, Hussein stayed in power. And it wasn't until George Bush, number two, that the whole thing started again. We had another Persian Gulf War. And eventually we invaded um, Saddam Hussein and in Iraq, even though they weren't the cause of 911. This all shows the co conflict between these rays, people who are elected into positions of power for the United States, and we don't know, or at least the country doesn't recognize the astrology of these rays and of these forces, planets like Mars and Uranus, and why this is dangerous. It's playing with fire unless we know what the astrology is and don't elect people who have negative energies or who set off and trigger all these difficulties. So uh, finally, at the end of this article, as we have mentioned elsewhere in this journal, Mars is not only stationary on October 20th, 1990, it will also make a direct station on New Year's Day, 1991 at 27 plus a Taurus. Now let me just stop, stop right there. That's when the whole thing happened in January of 1991. So here I am reporting about two Mars events before they happen. And then events start happening regarding the war, which Mars can represent, and there we go. And then, and then that's what that's what happened. So again, New Year's Day, 
27 plus Taurus. Um, this will be right between both Mercury placements for President Bush and Saddam Hussein. Can they rise to the occasion and use their minds creatively instead of relying on massive weapons of destruction that will kill tens of thousands of innocent people? Both leaders have their Mercury place placements in late Taurus, can join the Pleiades, another spiritual center of the universe, and connected with the seven sisters that are aligned with the seven rays. And then I had a closing paragraph in italics. Stay tuned to Welcome to Planet Earth for more on the subject, the entire Middle East crisis in the future. Note, the cover features are the cover features our special logo. Remember, this is in the folder at www.greatbearenterprises.com. The cover of this uh, magazine I'm reading from, from 30 plus years ago. The cover features our special logo of the seven traditional planets and the three outer planets in a triangle surrounding the Earth. Notice that the three outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, each channel the seventh, sixth, and first rays respectively. They are the rays we have focused upon in this feature, and they are the rays which are impinging upon humanity now with great intensity. For more information on the sevenfold planetary symbol known on the cover, shown on the cover, please see Wilhelm Pelikan's The Secret of Metals, Anthroposophic Press. Hopefully it is not out of print. However, I will discuss the distinctive meaning of this diagram in a future article on Esoteric Astrology and the Seven Rays. And I had said next time in this series, which is actually in my Mysteries of Venus book, the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, oil's connection to the astral plane in the sixth ray, solar energies linked to the etheric plane in the seventh ray, the sixth and the seventh ray energies meet in the Middle East. So I don't, I'd have to look back and see what did I cover, but let me just mention, in the Aquarius 1991 issue and the Pisces 1991 issue, um, in, in the Aquarian issue, which was toward the beginning of the year, it, w it came out just before we launched um, our attacks on Baghdad. And I had uh, the, the cover story was called the Mars Watch. It was actually a picture of a watch with a Mars symbol with the Middle East um, called Countdown to War. I might read from that at some point in the future. And then the Pisces 1991 issue, using an eagle with, as if it's a letter W, looking with a, its uh, outspread spread wings, the, the title War in the Gulf over with a fire and showing a, a, a tank now for the ground war, showing pictures of 20, 20th century air battles, 1917, of what a plane looked like, a German plane, a 1941 plane from... Um, from England and a 1991 American jet showing how history is repeating itself, unfortunately. This is all back in 1991. Now, I'm going to finish up here. This is a very long session. Sorry about that. And I don't know how people, um, it's, well, three hours and 40 some odd minutes. I think it's the longest one by a couple of minutes, and I don't remember which one it was that was longest. Maybe it was a coronavirus in astrology. But um, we're going to have to be realistic um, now that we're in the new administration. There are serious issues in the world, and they're not going away. Um, we have to figure out, do we rejoin uh, the agreement with Iran that the Europeans kept about uh, uranium enrichment, dealing with the Ayatollah? Um, they're in a midlife crisis um, in terms of when I say midlife crisis, from 1979, and I reported this before, if you add, go from 1979 to now, you get 41 years, and 41 is one quarter, one quarter of a Neptune cycle of 164 to 165 years. So in the chart, which I'm pre 
pretty sure I will uh, put into uh, one of these podcasts, Revolutionary Iran chart from February 11th of 1979. They're having uh, Neptune square their Neptune. And Neptune has a lot to do with the sixth ray on a higher level, but also it can be warped by Mars into a lower level. This whole thing, um, um, the new um, director of national intelligence, uh, a woman, her first name is Avril, and then Haynes, Avril Haynes, is the first uh, member of the administration to be accepted. I think it was an 84 to 16 vote. Thank goodness somebody's in there because Josh Hawley has delayed um, the first Latino uh, individual who would head Homeland Security instead of him uh, being fast-tracked. We're going to have to wait for that. But of course, Joe Biden has the capacity to put in acting people to take over. Um, I don't know when that would happen, but I'm sure if the if the Senate drags its heels on some of these nominees for defense, homeland security, and so on, um, the president of the United States can put somebody in in an acting capacity, and then the Senate would then um, go thereafter. That's what uh, that's what um, Donald Trump was doing all the time, putting these people in acting positions. And because he put um, he took out um, the Secretary of Defense um, right after uh, the election, a couple of days after the election. Um, the whole Defense Department now, this is still a struggle with who, the Christopher Miller, I think that's his name. I don't know how quickly um, Joe Biden, might even be today or in the next couple of days, puts in an acting Secretary of Defense. Um, so that's going to be interesting because the Secretary of Defense that he wants is a former general in the Army. And uh, I know his last name is Lloyd. And there has to be an exception because he's only four years out of the military and there's some kind of, it's not a rule, but I think it's a, um, a desire or some kind of a, a process within the Senate or within the government that anyone leading the Defense Department who's been a military individual needs to have, have been out of the military for seven years and he hasn't. So as a precaution to make sure that the person is, is a civilian and not too identified with the military, there's an exception, and um, I'm not sure when he will be uh, confirmed, but hopefully he will be confirmed. We'll have a new Secretary of Defense. If we can't get that happen to be soon in the Senate because of uh, maneuvers and different people still trying to forestall, forestall the Biden-Harris approach, I do believe that the President of the United States has the ability at any given point to make an acting Secretary of Defense or acting Homeland Security because these are crucial things. and. Part of the worry we've all had, at least from anybody with a lot of common sense and logic, since the insurrection events was we still had Donald Trump with all of those activities and weird and um, in many cases people think treasonous, horrific um, exhortations that could have killed Mike Pence and um, Nancy Pelosi and many others. And the whole thing could have been far more destructive for many more members of the Senate and the House. It could have been um, on an internal level something that would have been much worse. And only through, again, a hair's breadth and some heroic efforts by a couple of police and, and uh, different people there, um, we, we avoided a, a, a real true disaster catastrophe of the stars going against us. And at uh, any rate, I, I do need to end this time. I'm sorry that it's always long. Um, at some point, I will try and do shorter ones. It's just there's so many charts, so many stories that need to come together in order for us to really understand 
what the nation faces and what the world faces at this time. But now I think through these three plus hours and some of the recent ones, we can move forward. Um, I will be looking at Kamala Harris in a much greater way. We'll look at Joe Biden as well. When these nominees are coming in, depending on who they are and what struggles the nation has to restore itself economically. Um, I mentioned before about Pete Buttigieg becoming Secretary of Transportation. This is going to be important for the rollout of the vaccine and on a very practical level. And how do you get vaccines and make sure they're stored? I mean, there's an enormous undertaking of all these different departments. And plus, of course, the economy and, and what can we do with hospitals and getting more money from the government to states, uh, police departments, fire departments, sanitation departments, um, to the different clinics. And if we want to have effective vaccines, again, there's a Johnson Johnson vaccine that could be a single dose that doesn't has to have to be stored. This could make the other ones not obsolete, but people would want to get the Johnson Johnson one. And part of the problem is it's not like you can just go right at the moment to your pharmacy or whatever it is and say, I want the, the single dose one. You can only get what you what's what's available. I heard a report and it's it's true. There are people who are flying into Florida for various reasons from other countries who are actually getting vaccination. Um, it's pretty disturbing and this is not fake news. Or people might fly in from other states and because um, people go in the winter from the north into Florida, there's ways in which people are sort of getting in front of other people who might need the vaccine more. But I did see they were even interviewing people on TV. Somebody flew in from Argentina and got vaccinated from Argentina in Florida because of uh, a laxness with rules or whatever it is. And they weren't able to get a vaccination in Argentina. And maybe they, they have a relative in, the United, in, in Florida and they went to visit on a vacation and somehow they were able to get a shot. So we've got some really weird things happening and we've seen that the rollout and also the plan is has been a, a giant mess. And we've been getting reports, oh, it's so great, so many millions of doses will come out, Operation Warp Speed, President Trump, uh, former President Trump now, when he left from Joint Air, uh, Andrews Air Force Base, kept touting all the Operation Warp Speed, how great. But you know, you, you've got to follow through. You, that was the big thing that never happened in 2020, nation and states, the federal government and, and governors and mayors and so on. And when you play politics and you say liberal governors and you chastise them when you don't even respect their names, when you don't coordinate things. I mean, Mike Pence was attempting to do some of that because he had been a congressman. He had been a governor, didn't come into the um, executive branch at all from the same way that Donald Trump did. And he was supposed to be in charge of the task force, but again, Donald Trump took him away. And took a, I mean, he, he saw that Mike Pence was standing up with the reporters before you know it, it was the Donald Trump show, because that's what the last four years was, was a glorified and very mistaken and messed up reality TV show. And it's not as if they weren't planning to do that. They knew that they were going to use the media and they were going to use everything they could including lack of press conferences and other things to distort the different visuals for the country to see so that like we would we would somehow get hooked into that that version of non-reality and non-facts and non-truth and now we see how the country has is we're 4% of the world's population and we we have over 20% of the world's deaths it, it's it's something that one is looked back about what happened about taking a Dr. Fauci out of the the main area and putting in um, 
Scott Atlas, who's a radiologist, all of these different things, because you, you, the, pres the former president of the United States finds somebody who agrees with him. So you get rid of somebody who's been the expert in both Republican and Democratic administrations for 40 years. When Dr. Fauci has worked with the, under Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama and Bush and Cheney and so on, and is an 80-year-old person with all this expertise, you, you shunt him aside. And now today, he's back. You know, again, bringing back the World Health Organization. That's another thing through executive authority. Trump got rid of um, our connection to the World Health Organization, took us out of the Paris Peace Accords. All of these things, the Iran Agreement, all because his view was like the art of the deal. I can do, I as an individual, meaning Donald Trump, can make a better deal. You can't have president doing that if you do it, it's authoritarianism. That's the road we were going down. And had he won, it would have become even more so. And it would have been, today would have been really scary. And people like myself and other people would get shut down. And um, other things would get shut down in the media and wouldn't able to be articulated with the free press. So as the now former president used to say so much, the, the press, CNN, the New York Times, they're the enemy of the people. This is, this is what they did in Nazi Germany. This is what happened under Goebbels and Hitler. This is what happened under Mussolini. This is what happens right now in, in Russia. I almost said the Soviet Union. This is what happens in uh, communist China. This is what happens in countries like Syria. This is what's happening in the Philippines under, their, under Duarte and their leader, um, whether it's right or left. But normally these are tyrants. They're authoritarian figures. Uh, look at what's happening with Erdogan in Turkey. You know, somebody who came in uh, didn't seem like he was going to move in, in the direction he moved in and became even more powerful um, in the connection with Donald Trump of having more authority and moving into these authoritarian, tyrant, dictatorial type roles. So the dangers are still there. They will be. This, this battle, the sixth ray and the seventh ray, also goes back to Atlantis. That's why I mentioned the last time Edward Casey's story in Atlantis. Read what you can about Atlantis. If you go in the Alice Bailey books, the Tibetan Master DK, throughout all the books, we're fighting another battle. This idea in biblical times of a war in heaven, of, of the Archangel uh, Michael, Michael, the Archangel Michael, battling against um, uh, Lucifer or the satanic forces and the fallen angels. And you go into all of these different studies, things on ancient aliens on the History Channel. But things that you can read on your own through metaphysics or, or, or all the Alice Bailey books, again, lucistrust.org to look into Lucis Publishing. You can get a lot of free literature. Uh, I've mentioned before, there's the three spiritual festivals. They're always they're coming up, which is the full moon of Aries, the full moon of Taurus, the full moon of Gemini. So these are times that these upcoming full moons in the spring where you can use those full moons and every single full moon to be able to bring in light and get away from lunacy and, and skitzy behavior. So just remember, full moons and total lunar eclipses uh, and total solar eclipses can really be harmful. They can be very dangerous psychologically and spiritually and emotionally, or they can be times of kind of inlet and outlet valves for, for us as human beings and as a planet to let go of energies that are old and unwarranted, that are fearful and negative, and open ourselves up to world goodwill, peace and harmony and so on. So we'll keep moving forward. Thank you very much for listening. I wish all of you much love, many blessings and healing for yourself and your families and your dear ones. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.